You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back to the Oz Network, here on Olympics Month. Uh, well, at least we've crossed over into a new month. Uh, Olympics, second second half month of Olympics Month here. <laughs> as we're maybe a week away from the real Olympics, we're just doing everything we can to uh, maintain our excitement and watching all the great sports that uh, made us love the Olympics in the first place, like figure skating and bobsledding and the greatest sport outside of moguls in the history of mankind, hockey, the national sport of Canada. And we get to talk about hockey today and that great Canadian moment where the U.S. hockey team completed <laughs> a miracle on ice, the 1980 gold medal win of the U.S. Olympic hockey team. Uh, this is the 2004 uh, movie Miracle starring Kurt Russell directed by Gavin O'Connor uh, huge hit one of the great sports movies of all time so we're here to talk about it today and as well as we have the last couple weeks just a bunch of Olympic stuff that nobody who doesn't listen to Off the Podium is really interested in hearing uh, but maybe we'll get you listening to Off the Podium after this. Uh, my name is Colin Hilding, Winnipeg, Manitoba Team Canada <laughs> and my name is Ben and I'll be your podcast host, I won't be your friend if you want one of those, talk to Colin again no, yes. do it again. <laughs> oh, right. No. <laughs> I quit. <laughs> we don't have the patience for this. We're quitters on this podcast. Come on. We never make the <laughs> I'm Australian, all right? Like, if that, was, if that was us in the ice, I'm like, nah, mate, fuck this. I'm going to have a beer. <laughs> I think this will be an exciting one to cover because, I mean... Are we going to have as many, you know, hilarious talking points as we had during Cool Runnings? Probably no, but I mean, this is such an uplifting movie, and uh, I think we both said we've watched it before, but we're not, you know, we haven't memorized this movie like we have Cool Runnings or, um, uh, you know, in, in my case, outside of Winter Olympics, something like Remember the Titans, we talked a lot about these sports movies, but this is just one of these movies that it's easy to watch when it's right before the Olympics and you want to get excited. And for whatever reason, I never think to watch it. Now, I was going to borrow a copy of this off my brother, and then he reminded me it was on Netflix. Uh, because my brother watches this movie, like, at least once a year. And for me, I probably watch it at least once every four years. Uh, every time the Olympics is coming up, I feel like watching Miracle. But I don't know, for some reason, I always forget how good this movie is. And, you know... It, obviously the fact is it's not like a great Canadian story. I mean, we have our own miracle on ice or several of them uh, in the last 15 years or so, but I don't think you have to be American to like this movie, despite what the box office dollars say about this worldwide. Uh, I just think it's a great movie and I've probably seen it a handful of times. And it's one of these movies that I go as far to say it probably gets better each time I watch it. I, I, I think I said this at the end of the last one. I've legitimately seen this once, and I, I'm pretty sure I saw it when I was on TV. Like, it was just on a Sunday afternoon once, and I was looking channels. Um, and I, I'd heard about it, and obviously I knew the story and everything. Um, I just don't know why I'd sort of never gone out of my way to watch it. But, I mean, I agree with you. It is, you know, it is a great film. It's I mean, it's a great story. This is, I think, what the thing we're learning a lot about in these four films that we're doing in this month, half months, um, that... You know, the Winter Olympics produce great stories when it comes to these things. And, um, you know, it, this everything that happens in this film, the fact that, you know, this is all based on real life, probably the most accurate of all the four ones that we're doing as well, maybe alongside I, Tonya, uh, although, you know, questionable. Um, <laughs> but I think the fact that, you know, this is true. I mean, this everything that happens in this film, the, the fact that it took them, what, 24 years to make a proper movie of this? This is America. They should have made a movie out of this, like, four years later. I mean, God, it only took them five <laughs> years to make Cool Runnings. 
Um, because I mean, everything in this movie screams like a big screen, you know, movie about it. But um, where's I, our I, 1984 miracle movie with <laughs> Emilio Estevez as Mike Rinzioni? Yes. Um, but yeah, it's just it's fascinating, just everything about this, and I, I it's kind of a lot of the backstory, reading a lot about it, you know, and kind of I think the first time I saw it, I obviously didn't go out of my way to read as much as I did kind of this time around into you know Herb Brooks and just everything about it and just where the sport of ice hockey was at this time, and even you know we joke about like Canada, but I mean you know I think it's important throughout this episode to talk about the status of Canadian hockey at this time too because you guys are barely mentioned in this movie, and this is your sport yeah. well this is the making a movie about australian football and not mentioning australia like it's crazy <laughs> but uh yeah this is a great film and i love kurt russell can i just say that i don't know if that's a popular unpopular opinion i like kurt russell <laughs> he's kurt russell i mean everybody loves kurt russell like, yeah uh, except it's, for it's hollywood because... anymore uh yeah <laughs> Well, I mean, whenever he does pop up in a movie, people are always excited. And I don't know if he's one of these guys that just has sort of chosen to step away from movies. And, like, like you get take that guys like Tobey Maguire we talked about and Daniel Day-Lewis. You know, there's jokes like Tobey Maguire doesn't get acting roles anymore. I mean, Tobey Maguire chooses to not act anymore. And the Which same is a as shame. Daniel Day-Lewis. It's a shame, Tobey. It is, you listen yeah. to this. Get back into acting already, all right? Daniel Day-Lewis is retiring now. So all the Oscars are yours, Toby. Hurry up. <laughs> Toby and Emilio Estevez. Yes! Those are the two guys just writing to Probably Brendan Fraser, <laughs> the greatest <laughs> movie ever. All three of them in a movie together. Holy crap, how amazing would that be? Hey. <laughs> Not to mention Doug E. Doug. Oh! That darn cat. <laughs> Diversity sake, there's Doug E. Doug. Oh, look at that. <laughs> that darn snub, like, where was his Oscar? <laughs> but, uh, I mean, <laughs> Kurt Russell, that does you know, snub. he kind of been away he was obviously a big star in the 80s with the um escape from new york movie and big trouble in little china and many other things and in the 90s he had like backdraft and tombstone and stargate like some big blockbusters and then he just sort of disappeared for years and i think this movie was the one that brought him back you know he'd had a couple of like smaller movies or supporting roles in major movies some smaller independent movies and they just came back with miracle and i remember I, I remember thinking at the time like this is gonna be the big career revival for kurt russell and then Miracle finishes, and he kind of chooses to, you know, make movies sporadically. I mean, did Poseidon and Death Proof, and then, you know, Fast and Furious, like, five years after that. But, I mean, it's it's just, it's exciting to see Kurt Russell step up here. This was probably the first time he was playing, like, a middle-aged role, too, where he wasn't, like, the young, tough guy anymore. It wasn't Tango and Cash. I don't know if you ever saw that. Oh, yeah, but, uh <laughs> I don't know, he, just, he brings this authenticity to it, despite the fact that I don't think, if you ever watched... Uh, Kurt Russell before this, you would never think this is Minnesota hockey coach. And he just, he feels so real in this, but he always feels like Kurt Russell. See, I'm a huge fan of Kurt Russell as well. The the one random one that I really love him in, which I actually watched not that long ago, was Breakdown. And um, we spoke to MC <laughs> Gainey, which I don't actually know if the interview's actually aired yet for, for our lost coverage here on the show. But, um, you know, MC Gainey briefly mentions about the fact that, you know, he's trying to kill Kurt Russell in Breakdown because he was one of the sort of the guys after him. But it's just a random movie that I, I think I saw on TV once, loved it, bought it. And I'll just randomly watch that at least once a year i don't know if you've ever seen breakdown but i think kind of it was the most 90s action thriller movie ever made (laughs) but good (laughs) it's just so random but it's just i don't know i really enjoy it but um yeah i mean i remember what like the escape from new york escape from la ones whatever they were um yeah i was tango and cash years ago 
Um, but I, I mean, he was obviously in uh, what Guardians of the Galaxy as well, which obviously I just caught up in all the Marvel movies, and I loved him in that. Uh, I thought he was really, really yeah. good. So, um, yeah, hashtag more, more, more Kurt Russell, uh, and he's still married to yeah. Goldie, isn't he? Are they still together after all these years? Yeah, I, they I'm are. probably. I'm looking at it. They've been married since 1983. Holy crap! Go you, Kurt Russell. Of course, if, if oh. let's be honest, if you married Kurt Russell, you'd never want to divorce the man. So that's fair enough. Good on you, Goldie Horn. <laughs> I mean, their marriage is almost as old as the last gold medal win that the U.S. Olympic hockey team had. <laughs> exactly. You know, when if America wins gold in Pyeongchang, they're going to get a divorce. So, <laughs> uh, the other one to talk about here, and the, I mean, this the movie has a big cast, but because of the the directors, I guess we'll talk about here, Gavin O'Connor, and I don't know if you're that familiar with him, but. After this movie, he kind of went on this role of doing these great uh, kind of gritty, realistic movies. Uh, Miracle's probably the most family-friendly that he did, but it still has kind of that you know feel to it. He did like Pride and Glory with Edward Norton. And then the one that he's probably most well-known for now is the movie Warrior with Tom Hardy and Joel Edgerton and Nick Nolte, which is, I mean, hands down one of my favorite movies ever made. Um, the Accountant with Ben Affleck last year. And he's, of course, doing the second Suicide Squad movie. So he's gone on to huge things, and Miracle was kind of his breakthrough. But what I always found interesting, I remember when this movie came out, and you know, my brother and I rented the DVD and watched like the features on there, and he talked about how he didn't want to cast actors in this movie. He wanted to cast hockey players to play these characters because he thought that it was more important for the hockey to be real than for the acting to be real. And it seems like you know, kind of a weird thing to do in a movie, but for a movie like this where when we get to the end of it, we basically have 30 straight minutes of a hockey game. And if you break that down without, you know, timeouts and stops and play and everything like that, I mean, you're looking at 50% of the hockey game basically shows up on screen here. That, that had to be, like, hugely important to make this movie look realistic. And, uh, you know, obviously the big career he's gone on to. But I don't know if many people really remember that Gavin O'Connor had actually started with Miracle here. But, I mean, he, he did something really different here, especially for your typical like sports biopic movies that we had this time period like remember the titans or uh glory road or uh you know any of those other ones i mean this movie i feel like this movie in a way ages better than all those others because it doesn't feel really cliched it kind of feels almost like semi-documentary like well it's it's labeled on wikipedia as a docudrama and it does feel very documentary like and that's the thing like uh, I was, you know, yeah, reading all about kind of all the actors and everything that they used, that it was more about the skills of hockey and acting came secondary. Um, mm-hmm. But you, you can't tell. Like, you really can't tell. And I think that's what makes this movie so good. And another thing I was reading about was that a lot of people say this is one of the most realistic portrayals of a realistic event or a real event kind of ever put to film. Um, and, you know, things like getting the, you know, the commentator from the actual game, you know, uh, you know, the famous line, do you believe in miracles? Yes, Al Michaels and all that sort of thing that happened with it. Um, and, like, I was looking up a lot of these actors. I mean, there's a few that you obviously recognize. You know, was it Noah Emmerich? Yeah, like Eddie Cahill. Yeah, well, Eddie Cahill. Like, oh, it's, yeah. No, yeah, no, but Eddie Cahill, I was going to say him because, like, any Friends fan would know him as Tag from Friends. Um, but, I mean, you know, he's obviously gone into lots of other things. And there was one of the guys here which... Um, which I guess we'll get to later on, but he went on to basically not act and then join the army and then died only within the last year. Uh, Michael Mantenutu, who played Jack O'Callaghan. <laughs> yep. Uh, <laughs> my pronunciation skills have gotten better. But, uh, I mean, this is the thing with this. Like, you don't... I mean, it, it is one of these ones that kind of... 
you don't need a big cast. I mean, Kurt Russell, it's pretty much only about him and kind of the players yeah. are secondary alongside with this massive event. So, um, you know, out of all the four that we're doing here, you know, alongside I, Tonya, I mean, you would say this is kind of the most solo. I mean, obviously, Eddie the Eagle is going to be about a one person, but, you know, Hugh Jackman's there with mm-hmm. him. But, um, yeah, I, I just think this, the style of this movie is really well done. And I think kind of, again, two of the films that we're doing, uh, you know, Eddie the Eagle and Cool Runnings are very similar. And you can almost say this is, I'm not saying similar to I, Tonya, because obviously we don't kind of have the fourth wall breaking and sort of the narration. But, I mean, it can also is a similarish style in aspects to what we just saw with I, Tonya a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, and also we have to go back in time here, like 2004, and look at the just the type this whole genre that really came about because of remember the titans and how big these disney sports movies were where basically was once a year and i mean i don't think any of them really reached you know the success that remember that titans had but i'd say outside of remember the titans this is pretty much the peak of it too and we go through the box office at the end i mean the movie was huge at the time um I don't know if maybe the movie was a little bit late. It would have been great to have this in 2002, yeah. you know, which would have been the ideal time. And I don't know, their box office would have been through the roof at that point. But just playing up a little bit on the true story before we jump into the movie, like how familiar were you with this story of the U.S. hockey team in the 80 Olympics and the miracle on ice? Like, did you have any knowledge of this at all? I knew it. I'd heard about it and I'd probably read about it. Uh, and obviously when they all lit the, the cauldron in 2002, I probably, you know, looked it up and, bit and was a bit in the news probably then and kind of, you know, remember this 22 years ago and things like that. But, um, I mean, I, I, I probably learned a lot more from this film and I think kind of, as I said, I saw a few documentaries and that later on. But, I mean, I'll be absolutely honest with you. I think a lot of my focus on the sport of ice hockey at the Olympics was always, why does Canada not do as well as they should? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, like, I know that's... But, like, I've always been someone who has supported Canada and, I mean, I probably told you the story before about how I actually stayed home from school in grade nine to watch you guys win the gold in 2002. Um, so, I mean, I was always rooting for Canada and I actually only discovered uh, in reading stuff about this film that Herb Brooks was actually coaching that US team that Canada beat in 2002. Yeah. Did not know that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I was, I guess, familiar with the basics. But, um, you know, once you watch this film and see just how, you know ragtag these players were and kind of how much they had against them, you know, to do this. I think it's kind of, it adds a lot more to it. And so does obviously the, um, you know, the, the, the stuff which they talk about, like, you know, the Cold War stuff and all the stuff they, you know, put together with everything that was happening in the world mm-hmm. at the time. You know, it kind of, it obviously adds a different element to it. Yeah, and I think just like you were saying, my knowledge of this came about probably during the Salt Lake City games. And I know I had heard about it prior to that. Uh, it's one of these things where I think when I had heard about it growing up, you know, the U.S. Olympic hockey, I kind of thought, you know, oh, Americans winning hockey. I could see why they'd be proud of that. It's like, <laughs> <this> a <is> stereotype <laughs> that Americans are not great at hockey. When, in all honesty, even if you look at their performance, you know, in the Olympics leading up to this, they weren't as bad as I think the movie has led you to believe. But it had more to do, I guess, with what was in between the 76 Olympics and the 80 Olympics, not just, you know, oh, we're we're you know, notoriously bad or anything like that. But uh, obviously 2002, like you were saying, Salt Lake City, it, it became a big deal because it was the first time the Winter Olympics had been on U.S. soil again. And you had that, you know, huge matchup with uh, Russia and U.S. the second time you had U.S. going for the gold and that was kind of weird as Canadians because that was like our gold medal moment. That was our miracle on ice. 
and we're competing against the U.S., who are obviously the home favorites there. So, uh, I, I don't know. You almost, in a way, feel bad that uh, Canada beat them. Not really, but... I don't. If, if, You're first in 50 if, years, yeah. Colin. Come on. <laughs> yeah, but we're Canadians, so we feel bad. <laughs> I'm Australian. I'm standing up for Canada. Fuck America. <laughs> We didn't Hello feel to all bad Americans listening to the show today. I just think about what would it have been like in 2010 in Vancouver if we lost that game to the yeah. Americans. What would that have been like? But uh, there would have been riots. Uh, there were probably riots when we won anyway. Yeah, there were anyway. But, there were riots with anything, dog. You win, you lose. Oh, hey, yeah. let's riot, eh? Um, you mentioned, like, the Cold War thing, and the movie's whole opening credits is just basically a history lesson of everything that happened between the 1960 gold medal win and then this. Uh, you know, all the stuff with Vietnam, Nixon, the Coneheads. Uh, that's really important for the state of uh, U.S. affairs during 1979. I, I didn't understand that. Can I just point that out? Like, I've never really said that live. I mean, I know what it is. I know the movie. But, like, I didn't sort of get it wholly when I'm, I'm like, what? Coneheads? That movie came out after <laughs> 1980, didn't it? <laughs> and it feels weird when you tack it onto these opening credits when most of it is stuff like the gas crisis and uh, the Iranian hostage crisis and all these things. And, you know, then they show the Coneheads. It feels like a joke that's tacked on. But if you actually watch the movie yeah, after taking notes like I did here about all the things that happened in this opening credits, most of these things come up in the movie again, which is kind of funny. Uh, it, it does like a subtle job of setting the stage for all this stuff. And the Cold War is very important to this movie because it was very important to the Olympics. But just like how all those other characters take a backseat to the real coach Brooks, you know, the, the Cold War stuff really takes a backseat as well. Like, they don't play up on it too much. But it does sort of start out here in the uh, Brooks' first meeting with this uh, U.S. hockey board or whatever, where they're looking for the new coach. And he just kind of details what his plan is. And he makes mention of the fact that they lost like 7-1 to one to a B team from Norway or something like that. And uh, that he wants to combine this hybrid game of Russian can- uh, hockey and Canadian hockey. And there's your Canadian mention. The, like, only that's the only Canadian mention. <laughs> Canadian mention, other than a great Canadian hockey player that uh, you know pops up as a commentator at the end of the movie, which is my profile pick right now. Uh, and of course, he's commentating the U.S. win, so it's a little <laughs> bit weird. Yeah, but he has this yeah. meeting. Sorry, I, I thought you'd yeah. finished. I'll shut up. <laughs> Don't interrupt. It's my turn to talk. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Feel really bad for that, Ben. I'll just move on here. Um, <laughs> So they kind of have this meeting in the parking lot about, you know, do you really think you could do this? And uh, um, you get he gets the job uh, after he has this costume party with him and his wife. And, okay, this is going to be um, uh, a little bit upsetting to any other movie buffs out there or anybody who enjoys movies, period. But, like, his wife in this movie is played by Patricia Clarkson, who goes on to be nominated for, I think, 16 Academy Awards <laughs> in the six, like the 13 years following this movie. <laughs> But she really just has the generic wife role, and I, I'll be honest, I kind of tune out every time she's on screen, and it's, it's just, yeah, it, <laughs> it's not that I don't like the whole family life thing, but I mean, it's such a small part of this movie, and it just it doesn't seem to fit. You know, I want to see him on the ice, I want to see him screaming at people, and, you know, shouting again, and blowing his whistle, and, you know, bullying players, <laughs> that's what you tune into this for, lots of bullying, Um but he ends up getting the job. Um, they, uh, the where am I at here? Uh, the table hockey game that was fun. Okay, did you ever play the table hockey? Yeah, we had like a an arcade thing in Hobart where we'd go younger, and yeah, they had one of them, and I, that was always one of the main ones that I'd always wanted to play. Yeah, and 
it's it's a fun game. Like I think every Canadian kid had it. And the one that they're playing here is the Montreal Canadiens and the Toronto Maple Leafs, which is great. Um, the one that I had as a kid was actually, I think it was the New York Rangers and the New York Islanders. I don't know why my parents couldn't get me a Canadian one, but I love the New York Islanders partly because of that game. Um, <laughs> You're the one person who likes New York Islanders. There we go. <laughs> yes. I love the New York Islanders. Uh, <laughs> That's not a, a sentence a ever weird... uttered ever, but sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, come on. Like, they won four back-to-back Stanley Cups. Like, yeah, like, back before you and I were born. <laughs> <laughs> but around the time of, like, the U.S. hockey revival of the 1980 uh, It's all relevant. Anyways, there's a weird mention here when they have... He says that he wants to start this in June. Um, like he, he wants to start the, the practice and then the trials and everything in June. And they're saying, like, you know, is there e- are there even ice rinks in June? Indoor rinks? Like... <laughs> you're in minnesota exactly <laughs> and like it's not like they're playing hockey outside this is so unusual that there might be an indoor rink somewhere that they could practice at in june in minnesota <laughs> uh this and all i can write my notes this is why americans couldn't win at hockey for 20 years because like <laughs> we have skating rinks during the summer doesn't make sense to me um we get introduced to a lot of the, the nameless players here as i kind of put them we, we sort of get used to their names as we go along in the movie here. But again, let's be honest. Can you tell the difference between McClanahan and O'Callaghan? I mean, I can't. No, I just... Oh, Tag from Friends. That's the only one that I knew his face of. So, yep. <laughs> yeah, and when they would say the name, like, Jim Craig, I'm like, oh, yeah, he's the famous one on the team. But I couldn't recognize him, really. And, and no. that's the famous actor in this movie. So, um, anyways, I, I like them getting to know each other. And you, you kind of get a lot of the history here very subtly like uh i've complimented this movie already that uh they're not just coming right out and saying you know oh we're getting these minor league guys these college guys they have a mention about how half our guys are from boston half are from minnesota it's just the same you know two groups that they're uh recruiting from but you get them talking about you know signing bonuses in the nhl and everything like that um the hockey scenes that we see here during this uh opening practice I mean, this is where it really pays off to have real hockey players because they're not even supposed to be the great team yet. And you can just tell a difference. I mean, this is the movie Mallory would love because the <laughs> skating is better than what we saw in Itania, I guess. Um, did she watch this movie with you? Uh, well, she was going to, but um, she didn't end up. She was going to join us today, but uh, sadly she had work and was lazy. But Canadian that's another... Yeah. <laughs> She's actually watching Survivor as we speak, so... Oh, <laughs> uh, well, almost acceptable. It is a hockey movie we're passing up here. Yes, yes. <laughs> Um, there's a fun little line where they say that Eruzioni doesn't have a shot at making the team. And we get the great Noah Emmerich, as you already mentioned, uh. who is pretty much in everything Gavin O'Connor's in. And in one of my, pro- I'm not going to say one of, probably my favorite show on TV right now, The Americans. Um, he's been in like everything. Truman uh, show. Warrior. The Truman Show, yeah. He had a small cameo in Pride and Glory and Warrior, other Gavin O'Connor movies. Um, yeah, he's, he's a guy that we need. I, I want to see... This sounds weird, but this is a guy who could be like a leading man. Like we could have him in a Kurt Russell role, mm. and he just he always gets sidelined to the supporting roles, and he's so great in these supporting roles. But how great would it be to have a Noah Emmerich leading role? Like I, I really want to see that. I'd be down for it. I mean, he's just one of these ones that as soon as you see him, you're like, oh, it's him. Um, but it's it's not it's like that guy who's in the thing. <laughs> he's not like one of those ones where it's kind of like, oh yeah, him. Just typical. Like yeah, I could definitely see him being like a. I don't say a better actor. I mean, he's a good actor, but like, yeah, leading role guy. So, yeah, I'd be down for that. I'd be down for a bit of Noah Emmerich in the Kurt Russell role. 
Yeah, maybe he could play Brooks in the 2002 uh, yeah. Not Such a Miracle on Ice. The, he, he can be Wayne Gretzky in the 2002 Canadian <laughs> version. Yes, a very aged, very haggard Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> um, so I guess the main thing we'll kind of uh, break it off here is just the forming of the team. And that you get they had this seven. I think they said it was a seven day training camp. And Brooks just basically says, here's your list. Like, you can't make a roster on day one. He goes, Well, I just did. <laughs> and when he's talking to the team, you know, after he's cut everybody, he goes, I'm not going to be a friend if you have a problem with that. Take it up with Doc or take it up with Craig there, Noah Emmerich. <laughs> uh, he's just instantly not the friendly coach, uh, the guy who's going to be kind of the, the tough drill instructor and everything. And uh, there's, there's that kind of the first of his speeches saying, You know, it's going to be all of us together. This isn't going to happen without that. Uh, we'll leave it off there before we kind of get to the, the team getting to know each other and training and everything. Um, I mean, it's, it's all very fast-paced way it kind of gets into it, but, I mean, I just I, I think it's fascinating just how kind of it starts, and I just, I'm just i with you with the whole home stuff. I, I just I, I have nothing against Patricia Clarkson, but she just kind of is a bit of a wet blanket in this movie, let's be honest. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, I, like it's just this random costume party, and then the phone rings. Oh, it's somebody from the US Olympic Committee. I'm like, oh, okay, I'll take it. Oh, I got the job. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> just so, like, blasé about it. <laughs> but, I mean, we talked about this in the Cool Runnings episode about how, you know, the Winter Olympics, obviously, for a large portion there, was really just kind of not, you know, treated that professionally. Because, I mean, you know, I just love the way that it's casually in a boardroom here, you know, what, about eight, nine months from the Olympics? Oh, you should be the coach. Oh, yeah, we'll find some players. Like, I mean, obviously, we know it's different nowadays because, you know, generally, except for the 2018 games, it's formed of NHL players. Uh, you know, it's professional. But, um, you know, it was obviously an interesting state of hockey, I could imagine, at this point, that you've kind of got these guys here, and they obviously mention a few of them, don't they, about, like, oh, they could be taking money to go to the NHL, but they want to represent their country instead. Um, yeah. And it must have been such a weird decision to be able to have to make that, wouldn't it? Like, you know, oh, do I play for the Olympics or do I, you know, go and play NHL? Um, but I just, I love all this kind of stuff that's kind of setting it up. Um, and yeah, the hockey stuff here, it's just so great. Just all the scenes. And I love this sort of, what, rivalry between Boston and Minnesota or whatever it is. Like, is this a thing? Yeah. I mean, you're not American. I don't know if you'd really know that, but, um... <laughs> I guess in because what Minnesota basically labels themselves as like the hockey home of hockey, right? So, yeah. Um, and Boston, well, they pretty much think they own everything. I I don't like Boston sporting teams. Can I just put that on air? Um, does anybody, if you're not from Boston, come on? What about the marathon runners? Those are true heroes. Well, besides them, uh, <laughs> but like <laughs> I'm saying, like I I don't follow NFL that closely. It's the out of the four main ones, it's the one I follow the least closely. But come on, the New England Patriots, stop winning. Uh, I'm sick okay. of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, the Red no Sox, Boston Rob, okay, fair enough. Uh, the Bruins, yeah, they're okay. Mark Wahlberg. No, I like Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, he's a cool guy. Uh, <laughs> but, and the Celtics, they're okay. They're the most tolerable out of the four teams. But um, anyway, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I love the, um, the bit when he just forms the team and they're all like basically going off at him. And he's like, well, I just did. I formed it right now. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I, I just wonder how much of all of this is like, because obviously we said it's kind of very realistic, but I mean, is this legitimately how it happened? Did he form that after one day? 
uh, and did the US, you know, Hockey Association just be like, all right, we'll listen to him. Like, because, I mean, were they just that much of a joke in terms of hockey? I mean, it wasn't really a good period for North American hockey in general. Can I just point that out? I don't know if you've looked at the statistics between 1960 and 1980, but, I mean, US won gold in 1960, Canada got silver, and then Soviet Union obviously won every single gold in between then. The US got one silver in 1972. Canada got one bronze in 1968. So take them out of the equation, and it was all Sweden, Czechoslovakia, even West Germany won a bronze in freaking ice hockey in 1976. But the, the funny thing is they mention a little bit here in this film about um, how Herb was cut from 1960, and obviously they went on to win the gold in uh, 1960 the US. Uh, that was the Olympics. Here's some history for you, Colin. The only time Australia have ever competed in ice hockey what? at the Winter Olympics it was in 1960. We played two games in the ground robins. We played the US, where we lost 12-1. We played Czechoslovakia, where we lost 18-1. And then in the consolation round, because that was a thing, we played Finland, where we lost... 14-1. We played Japan where we lost 13-2. We played Finland again where we lost 19-2. And we played Japan again where we lost 11-3. You're welcome. Australia at the Winter Olympics in ice hockey. Um, uh, and also, I'm glad you left out the embarrassing loss to Jamaica. Uh, where you lost a 14 25-0 Jamaica. Um, but yeah, it's, it's fascinating. I just love to kind of like how this is all connected. But yeah, just kind of like the professionalism of winter sports at this point that all you can do is basically show up to an ice rink in Minnesota. Oh, yeah, I want to play for the US hockey team because that's how Minnesota people speak. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> not Canadians. Um, but yeah, I, I just kind of like how it starts. And Kurt Russell, this is this is just the Kurt Russell movie at this point. Still is. Yeah, Um you kind of mentioned like the state of North American sports and uh, I, I think I'd be blamed by every Canadian if I didn't mention our miracle on ice, which came, you know, eight years prior to this, because it really was just Soviet dominance and, you know, Eastern Europe dominance of, um, you know, hockey and any type of sports really for 20 years there during the Cold War. But there was something called the, I don't know if you ever heard of the Summit Series. Yes. Um, yes. 1972. Yeah, it was I've like basically that. Team Canada. Yeah, there you go. It made Australian history. Uh, just like, you know, Australian... Big Australian moments in Canadian history, like, you know, Crocodile Dundee. Uh, <laughs> Have you heard of the America's Cup, Colin? Have you heard of that? <laughs> uh, no, I actually haven't. What is that? But basically, <laughs> be well, I mean, it's there's that famous yacht race called the America's Cup, which basically America won for like 150 years. They were undefeated. And then I think it was in 1983, Australia beat them. Um, and... It was like, I mean, usually when people talk about iconic Australian sporting moments, that's like one of the main ones because we beat America and it was such a big deal. And then like the Land Down Under song became a big thing and Australian pride was like it. And our prime minister came out basically was like drunk as a skunk and was like, any boss who fires their, um, you know, workers are not showing up to work tomorrow is a bum. Because <laughs> like everyone was just drunk and celebrating that we beat America in a yacht race that no one gave a shit about. So, yeah. <laughs> That's basically what it was. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so now I remember. That was yes. like, you know, grade five Canadian history or of Australian course. history. <laughs> Relevance in Canada. I just thought when you mentioned like the America's Cup, I just imagined like, you know, America. This is how Americans, you know, kept their pride up in sports. Like the the American Hockey Cup where it's like, yay, America won again. <laughs> They've been struggling in the Nationals, apparently. <laughs> but... um 
Yeah, the, the summer series was big for us because that was like an eight-game series that Canada beat Russia too. Um, and, you know, one of those games was held here in Winnipeg. And, you know, obviously that was like a decade before I was born, so I would have no idea. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that basically was the reputation. Is it, was, it was just Russia, and you can't beat them. And they talk about that a lot in this movie about, you know, how you can't beat Russia. And Brooks kind of goes into, you know, how, how they can beat the Russians. And he says they're going to be more well-conditioned. Well, it's coming up in a minute, but, you know, I'll just cover it now, just about their conditioning, about how, you know, you have to really take the game on the attack to the Russians instead of the defense. And just connecting it to, you know, regular Canadian hockey again. Not that American kind, but the regular Canadian kind. The kind that was very unsuccessful for 20 or 50 years. <laughs> but uh, I remember, I think, it, I can't remember if it was in Vancouver. I think it might have been in Sochi, where Canada was up against Russia in the um, the quarterfinals. And it was the same thing. Like, how are we ever going to get past Russia? They're such a tough team. How are we gonna, ever going to pass Alex Ovechkin? And Canada just went out there with the most aggressive play, and they hadn't played aggressive in all the Olympics. And it was it was like watching a bunch of bullies on the ice just tossing around these Russians, and the Russians just get, like, completely flabbergasted. And that was kind of the most fun moment, I remember, even more so than watching, like, gold medal games, just seeing how Canada changed their game and everything. But that really was what was needed, and that's why Brooks was such an important person, because he went in there and said, we need to change our style of hockey. And whether it was, I'm going to form a team just with guys I know, or, you know, I'm going to teach them a different way to play hockey and play aggressive and change the whole style of the game. I mean, that's what was really needed. Um, you know, and obviously he brought that back and led them to their second best success they had in Salt Lake City as well. <laughs> but, um, yeah, we get introduced to the different players here. There's uh, the Bloomington Ice Arena. Now, Bloomington, that's like Mall of America. I mean, you and I, we could have gone to see the Bloomington Ice Arena. Oh, why didn't we? Come on. Oh, next trip to Minneapolis, we're going to Bloomington Ice Arena. <laughs> Uh, along with the maybe uh, confirmed, maybe not confirmed location of Cool Runnings from Winnipeg. <laughs> um, so there's a fight between the the players on the ice as well. Um, and that's when Brooks gets in the face like, does this, does this look like hockey to you? This looks more like a couple of monkeys trying to hump a football. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's like this whole page where uh, you can find on Wikipedia, but all of like Brooks' catchphrases yeah. and everything that he really was like the king of one-liners. And I almost feel like the movie doesn't have enough of that, you know? You have a line like this, and you expect to hear one every minute, but they don't really play up in as much as they could have. Uh, he talks about we need to become a, a team right now. He does the introductions, and this will become a running gag. And one of the things I appreciate those movies is that you can't predict where Gavin O'Connor's going with this stuff. And I think the first time I was watching this movie, when he was saying, you know, uh, what's your name? Where are you from? Who do you play for? And the, the players are just mentioning it. He doesn't sell it. Like, Kurt Russell doesn't sell it in any way, and Gavin O'Connor doesn't really you know, uh, show it in any predictable way or edit in a predictable way where you feel like, you know, this this has to be like that Mighty Ducks moment with Team USA with their hands on their hips or whatever. But uh, it's, it's just, even without that punchline here, it still works really well. And there's a thing here about the test. Now, this is like a psychological t- test, and they don't go into a lot of details with this, but you get the one player, and I, I wish I could remember which one it was, but do you remember which player it was who refused to take the test here? It's, uh, the, it's, it's uh, it's Sean McCann, isn't it? It's uh, not Sean McCann. Uh, no, hang on. No, I'm looking at the wrong page. Hang on. Eddie Cahill. It's, uh, it's Eddie Cahill. Tagged. Jim yeah. Craig? Yeah, Jim Craig. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I think he mentions later on, like, I want that guy in the net. Okay. So, yeah, there's this first scene between them. And, I mean, Craig is probably the most fleshed out character in this whole movie. And yet I just struggle to think about which guy was it where he said this. <laughs> um, but, but, again, you don't really need to recognize these guys to just get what the scenes are about. And 
that's another example of something where you don't really know where they're going with this. You kind of think that he has an attitude and that this is going to come up later. And then you, you realize later on it's the fact that he didn't take the test is what Brooks appreciated about him. But here you have no idea about that. Uh, they have the thing when the gas line up where they're lining up for gas again. One of those things from the opening credits that plays up again. And the doctor is talking with Noah Emmerich here. This is kind of like weird for me to watch because this is obviously before my generation. So these things were such a big deal. You know, this whole time period, I mean, people look back on the 60s and the 70s and, um, you know, they uh, think about like obviously Vietnam and everything like that. And you figure, well, when Vietnam's over and Watergate's over, everything was fine. You look at like Jimmy Carter's presidency here. I was about to say pregnancy. You know, when Jimmy Carter was <laughs> carrying twins here, um, <laughs> 1976-1980, but, I mean, it was pretty much a disastrous time for the U.S., for everything. And they have that moment here in the car where they're talking about, you know, the, the whole Cold War and everything like that. Uh, and this gas crisis plays into that as well. And obviously, Jimmy Carter is going to come up later on. Um, we have more of this montage about, you know, where are you from? Who do you play for? This is where he mentions being the best condition team. We get stuff with Coneheads here. Again, everything's relevant. <laughs> and this all leads to, I guess, where the story really picks up or where it kind of kicks into the second half. So they're in Oslo. They're playing against the Norwegian team, which, uh, I don't know, maybe Norway was terrible at hockey or something because they're kind of giving that impression. They're being lazy. Um, they're checking out the girls. This is kind of a, a consistent thing where the guys are all distracted and checking out girls where they're, on, they're supposed to be on the ice. So anyways, Brooks says nothing to them the entire game. And then... When I, did they win this game or did they lose? Three old, three old draw. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, for them, they're like, we should have beaten them. This is like playing Australia. I mean, there's no reason <laughs> that we should have lost. I know I has snow. <laughs> yeah. Um. So does Australia? Uh, like once a decade, maybe in, in like <laughs> tiny little portions. <laughs> and you have indoor ice rinks, and you're not confused as to how people can play hockey. So You've seen shame the on you, size America. Of the one in Hobart. <laughs> Your lounge yeah. room is bigger than the one over. 50 people. <laughs> <laughs> but um, when they uh, finish the game and they're out there shaking hands and everything, the coach is like telling them to get back on the ice and everything. I love all the things they're whispering. It's like, what, are we going to get a picture of something? We're doing pin trading? Like, they're, just, like, they're legitimately like, oh, this is we're going to get a team picture. This What's is fun. What's that map doing over and this there? Is... <laughs> <laughs> What's with that trick pool table? <laughs> I don't do business with people from Chicago. <laughs> we always throw jokes in there that only like a few listeners from our other shows are going to get, but uh, we throw it in there. Regardless. All our listeners just listen to all our shows. We know that, Colin. That's why we provide that's for all them. Yeah. That's for you, Double Oz 7 listener. Oh, and thank Casper. you, Casper. <laughs> Casper doesn't like Double Oz 7. Don't mention Double Oz 7, Daddy. No. Um, but this is, I guess, the most famous scene of the movie. Uh, uh, you know, where he has them on the ice and he's doing the whole thing again, like again, again, again. And then you got Noah Emmerich doing the whistle. Um, you know, how dare you tie the Norwegian national team? And this just goes on all night. And like these guys are dropping dead. And I almost wonder, I would love to hear the commentary of this to hear if he really did drill them, you know, uh, and film this all night. They have things like, you know, the, the guy needs to sweep the ice and, you know, uh, close up. And he goes, leave the keys. I'll lock up for him. And then they <laughs> shut the lights out on them. And it's like, again, again, these guys are thrown up on the ice. But he's given them the option to leave, and they just won't leave. And this is the moment where you finally get where Brooks is going with all this, where, you know, he's telling them again. And then you have a Ruzioni who obviously ends up being the captain of the team probably because of this, where he just says, Mike Ruzioni, uh, Winthrop, Minnesota. 
And he goes, who do you play for? And he goes, Team USA, which any other movie, this would have been like so cheesy, it would be nauseating. And here, it's just, it doesn't feel cheesy. It just feels like that moment where the audience kind of gets it. Okay, this is what he was doing. And he's like, all right, class dismissed. You know, you guys can go now. So I get, that's really the most famous scene in the movie and by far the best scene in the movie, I think, as well. And it plays so well because I think even though I know it's coming, I don't feel like the movie's predictable in showing me that it's coming. I couldn't remember this scene, I'll be completely honest with you. I mean, as I said, I saw it once on TV. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I'm trying to find where I read it. But um, they did film this over multiple days, and they filmed it like 12-hour stretches to make them... Um, oh, here we go. The scene where Brooks makes the team skate back and forth on all the ice all night after their three-hour tie with Norway was actually done by the real actors over a span of three days, 12 hours a day. Director Gavin O'Connor wanted the moment to be as realistic as possible. Um, so basically, Gavin O'Connor was the one in the background here. <laughs> like, Kurt Russell's going, come on, you know, director, this is... No! Make him keep doing it. Again! Um, again! Again! <laughs> again. <laughs> um, I'm just trying to see here, because you covered a lot here, which is good. But not. I'm going to say it's good. Like, I mean, there's legitimately not a lot in... Well- between you, you went a little too fast and completely lost me, and that's good, Colin. It is very good, Colin. Good hosting. Um, do we have much to say about Kurt Russell's Minnesota accent here at all? Um, I, don't, I don't know if we wanted to comment on that, because it seems to come and go. Uh, fantastic. When, when it's there, it's fantastic. I mean, I don't really notice it going. I, I think I definitely notice when it's there. Casper noticed Casper it. hates He's it. very upset. Casper's yeah. like, it's terrible. I've been to Minnesota, like, Dad. It's like a really annoying Canadian accent mixed with the people from Fargo. I did read that um, the the nominations here, it, it got nominated uh, for, where is it here? Um, in the Stinker Bad Movie Awards, uh, Kurt Russell was nominated for Worst Fake Accent Male. Uh, so, um, there you go, Kurt. For this category, <laughs> I don't know if there's other if I can Google that or not. Um, but the one thing I want to say, can I just point this out? You've probably seen my profile picture on Skype, but I'm glad at no point do they ever refer to him as the Minnesota Miracle Man, Herb Brooks, because there is only ever one Minnesota <laughs> Miracle Man, and that is Gordon Bombay. All right, so yeah. <laughs> I, I know this is based on truth. But Gordon uh-huh. Bombay, <laughs> who's a better coach, Gordon Bombay or Herb Brooks? Gordon Bombay. Oh, <laughs> uh, fair enough. <laughs> if uh, there's one man, <laughs> one man, you know, he took a bunch of rag cat, rag tag kids from Division Five to the Ducks to the Junior Goodwill Games. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> because all U.S. hockey, the only players in all of America that could play for the U.S. in the Junior Google Games were 90% from one team in Minnesota. <laughs> and Iceland had won gold in the Junior Goodwill yeah. Games for 20 straight years. <laughs> exactly. Uh, where's Iceland in the Ice Hockey Hall of Fames in um, <laughs> the history? Is there, I know we're not doing Mighty Ducks here, but is there an Icelandic hockey player? Um, like, period? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just looking here to see if Iceland's ever competed in ice hockey at the Winter Olympics, and they haven't. Uh, so, uh, I'm, I'm, the Netherlands have competed in ice hockey at the Winter Olympics. <laughs> Kazakhstan have. Uh, Jamaica. Australia. Great Britain have won gold in ice hockey at the Olympic Games. Can we just point that out? <laughs> but, no, Iceland haven't. Um, anyway. Um, 
I just, I really love the filming style of this. Like, just whenever we have the hockey games, though, like, it's so beautifully shot. Uh, just the way kind of the, the cameras, like, follow the, the players and just everything along those yeah. lines. I mean, I'd be really intrigued to see a making of. I mean, did they use any sort of visual effects for any of this? Just because it's just the way it's done. It's seamless. It just looks so good. And we'll obviously, I think, talk a little bit more about that when we get to the Olympics things. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's just... I, I really do enjoy it. Some, I love how you've just, like, skipped over all the scenes between Kurt Russell and his wife. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't take any notes on them. And I, as I was doing it, I was being conscious. I'm like, I, I think I have to talk about any of the scenes, but is anybody going to fault me if I miss this? Are they going to remember? I've literally written here, uh, what, I, what I say, was it interesting? You're mad about something. It's because you never asked. Chasing after something you got. Go finish your work, mean bitch. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know what happened. Oh, Patty, I have to do this bitch be crying. Um, I don't even know. I'm such a horrible person. I didn't read my notes. Um, <laughs> but I, I like the scenes like when like the training the little montages and uh, is it the doctor or is it Noah Emmerich who was like, oh, you can't push them this hard for six months. And Kurt Russell is like, oh, you know, watch me. Um, and yeah. I also I, just on that page and the Herb Brooks, his, um, Brookisms, uh, where you've got yes. the, you look like a monkey trying to hump a football. Uh, have you read some of the other ones here? Uh, you look like you have a five pound fart on your head. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Herb Brooks making rape jokes. You guys are getting bent over and they're not using Vaseline. Uh, <laughs> I wonder why Disney didn't include that one. If you lose this game, you'll take it to your grave. Your fucking grave. Uh, <laughs> but I love the fact that they've got two quotes here, which are literally, tonight, followed by, again. <laughs> again. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the scene here with them, like, you know, it's... Like, let's be honest, there's probably, like, three women in this entire movie. Uh, Kurt Russell's wife and the two Norwegians we see in the stands. <laughs> so... <laughs> We, we have to fill our... Fi- like, can we just... If this movie was made in 2018, there would be picket lines, controversy, boo, this movie's yeah. so sexist. It's like, can we just... The subject matter of this movie, like, make one about the US women's team that didn't they win gold in Nagano against the odds? Like, where's that one? Mm. Uh, but anyway, uh, I, I yeah, this whole scene with their back and forth, I, I feel sorry for the Norwegian, you know, skating manager. I want to shut down the rink. Like, no, they're training. Like, our power bill very expensive. Let me turn off the lights. <laughs> <laughs> He's like begging. Like, in, in Norway, we're very poor. We can't afford to keep lights on after six. Please tell your coach to stop. We'll lose the game to you with the Olympics. Um, but yeah, I, I love the whole point of like this team is like formed after this one guy's like, I play for the USA. Like, yeah, fuck yeah, America. But can we just parallels, to, <laughs> parallels to the Mighty Ducks movies? Like they become a team in Miracle when finally they stand up. It's like, yeah, we're America. And that line that Kurt Russell says later on, like it's about the name on the front, not name on the back. Like, yeah, America. The only time in Mighty Ducks 2 that they start playing as a team when they're playing for their country is at the end of the second intermission when they illegally change their jerseys from the USA <laughs> jerseys to the Anaheim Mighty Ducks jersey, which they go on to win the game. So, like, in the Mighty Ducks movies, it's like, fuck you, America. We're wearing the Ducks logo. In Miracle, it's like, fuck you, Minnesota. We're wearing the USA jersey. So slight parallels there, but uh, no, I enjoyed it. It's, it's very well and very, very well acted as well. 
can I just say? And I, also, props to Kurt Russell and his plaid jacket. Did he have a plaid jacket here? I didn't notice. It was, it was like a checkered jacket. <laughs> you didn't notice the sexy fashion of 1979 slash 1980? I mean, yeah, I, I'm sure that our parents wore those. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yes, at the hockey rinks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, just a little bit of an update here. The Icelandic uh, national hockey team first competed internationally in 1999, where they lost 11 to nothing against Israel, the great oh, Israeli hockey team. Israel! <laughs> Israel. Um, their greatest loss was... Thank you, Casper. He's so sad they lost to Israel. No, not Israel! Their biggest loss was uh, March 28th, 2002, where they lost 20 to nothing to Lithuania. <laughs> oh, Although Lithuania. Their, greatest, their greatest win was winning 30 to nothing against Armenia, March oh. of 2004. Heated rivalry. Obviously very Traditional inspired. rivals. Well, they were very inspired by the release of Miracle, and they decided we can pick up our game here. But I need to find out. Beat- I need to find out Colin Hilden, because I think I've told you this before. Here it is. We do... Oh, no, it's been broken. Oh, boo. We, Australia, held the record for a long time of the biggest ever international win, which I've found here. So we did have... Uh, in 1987, we beat New Zealand 58 nothing, <laughs> <laughs> which broke a record held by you guys that you beat Denmark 47 nothing. However, apparently this has now been beaten. Oh, it's women's. Oh, it's still, you know, if we hold the record in oh, men's. Oh, women. <laughs> hang on, hang on. Let me back up. We hold the record still in men's hockey, but in women's hockey in 2008, Slovakia beat Bulgaria 82 nil. <laughs> Holy they scored crap. More. That's more than once per minute of play. <laughs> that's, that's like if you and I strapped on a pair of skates, we were joined by Jamie, Casper, and Mallory, and we lined up against, <laughs> like, Sidney Crosby in the 2010 Canadian <laughs> Olympic team. <laughs> I think even we wouldn't lose that 82 nil. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guarantee. At least Casper screaming would keep yeah. them uh, on their toes. <laughs> How do you lose 82 nil, Bulgaria? <laughs> that's like... I mean, if you had no goalie in the net and you just sat on the boards as the other team skated and every time they scored a goal, they had to do a face-off against themselves and then shoot again, they probably still couldn't score 82 goals. I've literally looked up the Bulgarian women's national hockey team. Their first four ever games they played were 39-0 lost to Latvia, a 30-1, to well, they got a goal at least against Croatia, a 41-0 loss against Italy, and an 82-0 loss. So their goals against is over 200, if my maths are correct. Um, their biggest win is 6-1 against Ireland. <laughs> their international record is four wins, 15 losses, and one tie. Ladies and gentlemen, can we get a movie on the Bulgarian women's national <laughs> Wow. <laughs> that is legitimately one of the few countries Australia is probably better at in ice hockey. <laughs> you know, wouldn't it have been great if earlier in this movie when they were really trying to sell it, you know, uh, where Brooks is saying, like, you know, four years ago we lost to the Bulgarian women's team. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at Australia's women's team. Our, our win-loss record is 33 wins, 30 losses, 3 ties. So our women's team... <clears throat> Excuse me. 
I'm just choking up of how bad the Bulgarian women's team are. Um, <laughs> we are legitimate. Oh, God, I'm just, I'm thrilled at the fact that we're better than somebody in ice hockey. So there you go. Um, so after this game, they're flying back to the United States, I guess. And uh, here's, you know, probably one of the few really funny moments of the movie. And the one scene with uh, Patricia Clarkson, who I want to talk about here, <laughs> as he's on the phone with her. And he goes, oh, you know, we were taxing out to the runway and we, we kind of hit a moose. He goes, no, I don't know, the moose is fine. <laughs> she keeps asking about the moose. Yeah, no, we've got a plane. Yeah, but no, honey, the moose is fine. <laughs> no, I watched it. It ran off into the woods. It's okay. <laughs> uh, they made convention here about, you know, how dominant the Soviets are, that they had just taken on the NHL All-Stars and beat them. And uh, the, we hear about the captain here, uh, Mikhailov. Um, and th- there's a funny line coming up, which I want to I want to see if you know we could run through the names of the real team here because they all are Ovs, as we find out later on. Um, this is where we're talking about the Russian intimidation factor, and you know you don't want to defend, you want to attack against them. We have a lot of training and uh, montages. Uh, there's one really cool. Uh, thing where they have here where he's out on the ice um, and the camera kind of spins around and it keeps spinning it gets faster and faster and then it stops spinning it stops on the game and it's just it's such a cool shot Uh, this movie kind of like cool runnings you don't really get bored with the montages and I feel like maybe even more so in this the montages they don't feel very montagey they go on for a long time but I mean it it, it still feels like there's a story going on here Uh, we see the Iranian hostage crisis on TV which becomes a big deal uh, three months before the opening ceremonies, you know, we get this nice scene, which I guess, again, it's going to be, I'm going to say this is Jim Craig because I put in my notes, which guy is this? Is that Craig? <laughs> uh, I don't know what you're about to refer to, but anyway. <laughs> when he's leaving and he's, his dad's, I love you, oh, dad. Oh, yeah, I love yeah, yeah. Because he's, um, he's the one whose dad, whose mum has obviously died. And that's where the yeah. coach is all like, oh, are you performing at your best? How are you doing? So, yeah, no, that's, yeah, yeah you're right. That's. That's Craig. Yeah, we get this nice moment. Of course, I can't remember it was Jim Craig, the most important member of the team, or Eddie Cahill, the only real actor in this movie. Um, they, they get the... the uh, was this a Christmas party right here? Yeah. Um, yeah, okay. So when uh, they, they're at the Christmas party and everything, and then um, uh, they get the, the, the gifts they start giving everybody, and uh, the was it, Noah Emmerich's... I can't never remember the name of his character, but Noah Emmerich's character... He does, he's one of these the ones whistle. we don't need a character, Colin. It's just, no, we're yeah. Emmerich, come on. No, yeah. Or otherwise known as, hey, he's that guy. Um, <laughs> hey, he's that guy. <laughs> he, the guy from Truman Show, right? Yeah. <laughs> Coach uh, Truman Show guy. Coach Truman's Truman friend. friend. Yeah. yeah, yeah, him. Yeah. <laughs> um, I kind of like that Christmas scene, and then there's the whole thing with him playing football to Jimmy Carter's speech here. Uh, oh, also before that, we have to mention that they mentioned, uh, just like with the whole John Candy thing, that they really wait till late in the movie to get to what the point is behind his character about how he was the guy cut from the team right before the Olympics in 1960, like one week before. And of course, this is going to have to happen to another player here. Um, and uh, the Iranian hostage crisis thing leads to the whole Afghanistan thing. And there's, again, before the Christmas thing here, the, the whole boycott where uh, they mentioned that, you know, there's Jimmy Carter's probably going to have this boycott of the 1980 Summer Games in Moscow. And that this would lead for them to boycott the Lake Placid Games uh, that were just coming up, which would have been a disaster because in Brooks' mind, he's like, we have to be the best team in the world. It's not just about winning the gold medal. We have to beat the best team, which, 
you know, we see at the end of the movie how, how this movie, the story was really about beating the Russians and not even winning that gold medal. Um, they have their game against the IHL All-Stars. Um, do you know much about the IHL? Uh, do they get lots of TV coverage there? Look, I've read bits and bobs here and there. Isn't that like the NHL wasn't like that? That was kind of the NHL rival, wasn't Didn't they merge or something like that? Or am I on the no, slide ballpark? Was, uh yeah, I think that was the WHL, um, oh, okay. which was where the Winnipeg Jets and the Edmonton Oilers came from. The IHL was literally just the, one of the minor leagues for the NHL. Uh, in this year, the, the IHL All-Stars were led by the number one team in the league, the Kalamazoo Wings, ah. um, followed by the Saginaw Gears, ah. Port, Hur- Port Huron Flags. Oh, I don't like them. The F- Flint Generals. The Flint Flon. Uh, oh, what no. is... <laughs> <laughs> What is this? The Muskegon Mohawks. And like, people, wonder why, people wonder why Americans don't care about hockey. Go the Muskegon <laughs> Weehawks. Yeah. Muskegon Mohawks. <laughs> uh, the Minnesota who, Mohawks. By the way, they are the, they are the farm team for the New York Islanders. <laughs> yeah. Of course they are. Of course they are. New York Islanders. So these are the all-stars, the Muskegon Mohawks and the Kalamazoo Wings. Uh, <laughs> Kalamazoo? What's that song? Let's go to the Kalamazoo. T- <laughs> the Toledo Gold Diggers was a team. What? <laughs> Toledo Gold Diggers. <laughs> I'm sure there's probably the Mall of America, you know, janitors or something like that. <laughs> they can't even come up with cool team names. We are the gold diggers. We are the owls. We are the gems. Okay, the I will, I will never rip shit into what I think is the worst mascot in all of professional sports: the New Orleans Pelicans. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think. I think that if you got the owls, ooh, I'm scared of the owls. Uh, I want to see what the Kalamazoo Wings mascot is. <laughs> So if you come from a uh, place called Kalamazoo, that you just can't take anything serious. <laughs> I'm sorry if you're from Kalamazoo, you're listening to us, but like Kalamazoo, that's just not a place that should exist. Like, <laughs> oh my, you have got to see this. Okay, uh, be prepared to meet the new worst mascot. <laughs> oh god, I was in Michigan. Uh, oh, okay, sorry, Kalamazoo. Kalamazoo, Mich- <laughs> Kalamazoo Michigan. Their uh, world famous mascot. Slappy. Uh... <laughs> oh, God, I don't want to look at this. <laughs> what the hell is that? It's, I know what I love. It's a green bird with a mohawk. So it's basically like they probably took the Muskegon mohawk thing, dyed it in green, and so let's just duplicate the costume. It, I also love the 16 people in the stand for Kalamazoo Michigan. I just sneeze at the side of it. Allergic to this green thing. It looks like Oscar the Grouch has mated with Big Bird and put a penis on its head. What the hell is that? That is ridiculous. No wonder Americans don't care about hockey and they steal all your players. I was half expecting to see a Norwegian woman. As <laughs> mascot. Let's look at Donald woman. Trump. Let's put Donald Trump on the ice. A better mascot than that. <laughs> Do you, I have to wonder if the Bulgarian national team has a mascot. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> what 
the screen. I'm sneezing. <laughs> this is why nobody <laughs> listens to us. That's why we have to rely on listeners from our other shows. <laughs> Um, so during this, they had brought in, uh, another ringer and another cool thing about this movie is we don't really know if, you know, some of these things are coach Brooks mind games or if it is just what he's trying to do, because when they bring in this new guy, Hare, you know, I, I guess they mentioned he's a guy who he had cut six months earlier, but he had been playing really well. And, uh, you know, now they've got him on the team and they're like, well, we only have like two spots left and, you know, what are we going to do? And uh, a couple of the players call him aside after this guy Harris had a great game. And they're kind of whispering, like, you know, he's doing this to mess with our mind. It's one of his mind games or whatever. And they're basically saying, like, we're a team. We deserve this. And he goes, y- you want me to cut him even though he's a great player? And he, they're like, yeah, you know, because we're a family. There's that, you know, nice sentimental moment they have. And uh, Brooks is like, okay. It's like, we will be better with him, but I will cut him for you. And <laughs> I actually do have to wonder, like... <laughs> Is he doing this because, you know, this was his goal all along? Like, he's kind of a bit of a sociopath in this movie. <laughs> what? Like, you never really... You, exactly, it does. But you never really know what Brooks is up to. And they, they kind of mention it here. Like, this is one of his mind games. And I'm still wondering, like, did he bring this guy Harrer in just to mess with the team? Or did he do it because he thought we need to improve the team? Like, it's so unclear. But in a good way, I like it that it's unclear. I, I, I called this guy Adam Banks because, you know, it did remind me of the first Mighty Ducks movie when Adam Banks gets swapped over. Oh, no, I'm not having him on our team. But he turned out to be their best, you know, best player. Um, but we don't see it with this guy. He gets cut. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't really have a whole lot to say, kind of. I, I, the, the footage that they apparently show between the Soviets and the NHL All-Stars was legitimate game footage. There's a bit of statistics, uh, statistics trivia for you. Um I like how they say, like, their last 43 games, the Soviets have won 42 of them. Well, who did they get beaten by? The Belarusian women's team? Um, But I do like... Yeah, I do like how they kind of sell them, though. Like, I mean, for they're, they're the, like, you know, the the antagonist of the movie is the Soviet team, but, like, you barely, you know, you only see them in footage, you see a bit of them at sort of the end, but and their coach, you know, looks like Dracula or something like that. But, um... <laughs> Thomas Bach, um, but, but I, I don't know. I just it kind of works though. It's it's almost like the Jaws effect, isn't it? You don't need to see the villain to be scared of the villain. It's kind of just the way it works in it. Um, I like the the training montage. Uh, I agree with what you say there. It doesn't get old. Um, and yeah, I don't. What is it? Oh yeah, I, I, the thing I like about kind of all the Cold War stuff is that it's just subtle enough where it doesn't overtake the movie. Um, I'm watching the opening credits. I'm like, what is this? Am I watching the right movie? Like, did I start watching like, you know, a Cold War, uh, film? But, um, you know, just the subtle little things there where they mention about like, oh, they might boycott the games and things like that. Because, I mean, let's be honest, that was a big thing that happened. I mean, America did boycott Moscow later that year for the summer games. Um, and then Russia boycotted Los Angeles four years after that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So... You know, it was obviously, you know, a, a big thing kind of at the time, but it, it's done subtly enough that you don't, it doesn't overtake the thing. I think kind of maybe for Americans, particularly those who are living through this time period as a sort of a thing, they would get these and feel it a lot more than, you know, an Australian and a Canadian watching this. So I think mm-hmm. kind of it works, you know, well for that. Um, I, <laughs> yeah, all I wrote for this guy being brought in outside the bus, oh, it's Adam Banks. 
<laughs> but yeah, the whole the scene where he gets cut, like it's it's sad, but you know, you kind of you knew it had to be. When did the other five get cut? Because they initially had twenty six, but we just yeah. don't care about those other five that randomly get cut. Um, just quickly before we move on, I'm just fascinated by the fact that there isn't actually a place called Kalamazoo. Um, <laughs> because I think there's a song, there's like an old song, isn't there? Because my mum used to listen to like that old like 30s, 40s swing music. And there was like a song about going to Kalamazoo. But I love on their Wikipedia page, it legitimately has like, you know, oh, this is, it's a city in Michigan. It's this, it's got this in. But then the next bit, one of Kalamazoo's most notable features is the Kalamazoo Mall. <laughs> so basically, they're known for a mall. Okay, let's go to Kalamazoo. I guess we went to the Mall of America in Minneapolis, so we can't complain about that. I've also found the current world rankings for ice hockey, if you want to know, Colin. Uh, and in the women's ice hockey, a team such as Belarus, who are getting spanked like 300 nil, uh, there are apparently 38 teams listed on the world rankings of women's ice hockey. Bela- uh, is it Belarus or Bulgaria that we're looking at here? Bulgaria, right? No, uh, hang on. Bulgaria, yeah. Bulgaria, not Belarus. Sorry, Belarus. You're, you're probably better than Bulgaria. Um, Bulgaria is 34th out of 38th. So apparently, Hong Kong, Romania, Belgium, and Chinese Taipei <laughs> are worse than Bulgaria. Australia is 27th. New Zealand are 28th. Canada are second behind the U.S., uh, in the men's hockey, as of, this is time of recording, this might change. Canada, you are the number one team in the world heading into the Olympics. No pressure. US is fifth. Russia is second. Australia, 33rd. Uh, we are one spot behind... Wait, <laughs> one spot behind Belgium and one spot ahead of Iceland. Yes! You just got to recruit Slappy on your team as a mascot, and then well, you guys are going to skyrocket to the top 10. In, uh, in men's uh, ice hockey, there's 48 teams ranked, so we are ahead of teams esteemed such as Mexico, New Zealand, <laughs> Bulgaria in the men's, <laughs> Luxembourg, South Africa, Georgia, the United Arab Emirates. Oh, what an ice hockey <laughs> team they have. And the last... Oh, poor Chinese Taipei are ranked last in both men's and women's. Where's the movie on Chinese Taipei ice hockey? Oh. <laughs> anyway. Sorry, end. you cut out there. I'm assuming you finished. <laughs> <laughs> um, one other thing I forgot to mention here with the Christmas party is they're giving the, the presents around and everything, like the, the panties. And uh, um, when they go to Coach Noah Emmerich here, and uh, it, he just reads, he goes, To Craig. That's beautiful, boys. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, after this, we're really getting into uh, the opening of the games here. So three days before the opening, the Russians are coming, and they're going to have an exhibi- exhibition game, uh, which actually is a really smart idea if you think about it. I mean, the whole point here is can we beat the Russians? And if they could play them once to kind of learn from the mistakes, you know, everybody else is like, you know, this is a terrible idea. Why would you play them? Why would you embarrass yourselves? But once the game is over, they even have in that press conference or whatever, and they're talking the press – they're saying, you know, that they're the best team in the world. And to lose 10 to 1 or whatever it was, I mean, it's still a learning experience for them. Yeah. Um, but the main thing here is that happens is that O'Callaghan, uh, or was it McClanahan, one of the oh. one of the Anahans gets injured all, here. All the Americans uh, are Anahans, all the Russians are Ohovs. So there you go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, but he gets injured during this game here. Uh, there, I think it was O'Clanahan too here who had this 
it was the worst slam ever where uh, i don't know if you caught the same thing when he goes up to the russian guy and he says to him like no joke this is what he says that's a nice expression on your face dummy (laughs) (laughs) i have to wonder if originally you know there was a line scripted here and gavin o'connor shot a scene where it was talking about being bent over with vaseline and they're like hold on this is the disney movie the disney (laughs) movie calm down yeah, nice expression in your face, dummy. Mickey's on the and phone. Everybody... Mickey says no. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Mickey says, dummy can be used. Anal sex, no. That's a, so... bad, that's a bad line. Change it. <laughs> dummy, yes. Anal, Anal sex, no. No. And, and dummy. In the middle, kind of a gray area. We'll discuss. Imagine <laughs> <laughs> that Disney movie's discussing anal sex. There you go. Uh... <laughs> Oh, the director's cut. When Minnie and I play role play. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that crossed the line. Move on. (laughs) Um, So there's also a line, I think, as they're in the middle of this. Was it in the middle of this or was it afterwards where he's talking to Craig and... Did you uh, watch this movie, Colin? (laughs) (laughs) I finished it before we started recording. But, I mean, it's all hockey montages. How do you know? Uh, maybe it was after this, but when, um, uh, uh, let's say in the middle of the game, let's just rewrite the script here. At some point in the middle of the game, he gets an argument with Craig and, uh, you know, Craig's basically saying, you know, is this all because I didn't take the test? And he goes, I want to see that kid in the net that wouldn't take the test. And that's after the game. Okay. Yeah. You, you get, you get where I'm going with this. Yeah. Um, He's going to cut him to bring in the replacement goalie. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, they lost, uh, to the U S team. Uh, they lost the, the Americans yeah. lost to Americans. <laughs> that bad. They lost still. themselves. <laughs> the America's Cup. America wins again. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it's it's another one of those things that this movie it doesn't it sets you up enough that you get it when it comes up, but it's not predictable. So even though I've seen this movie several times, I I, I always kind of forget that that line's in there about that you know test that he refused to take. Um, after this. Uh, you get that uh, O'Callahan's on crutches, and they, they, the whole debate is do they want to keep him on the team? Um, obviously, you know, the whole idea is that, well, we could bring another player in. If we keep him on the team, maybe he's going to be with us a week from now. Maybe he's still going to be injured in, you know, a week. Maybe we won't get to play him at all. It's a bit of a risk. But they're family, so they got to keep him on the team. So the Olympics are about to start here. We'll kind of go through everything up until the gold medal game. Uh, we have the USA... Sweden, I think this is the one I was talking about. It wasn't the one earlier in the montage. This was the one during the Sweden game where right before the game, Brooks is going out on the ice and he's just looking at the arena, which is kind of cool if you look up afterwards that this Lake Placid you know, hockey venue has been renamed the Herb Brooks Arena. Mm. Uh, so you know, have them filming the scene here and he's kind of like looking around the empty arena and that's where the camera's spinning and then it cuts to the middle of the Sweden game. So uh, the, the main thing that happens here, which I thought was, again, one of the most clever things where you – Kurt Russell gets – she really should deserve more credit, not just for his great Minnesota accent that's there half the time, but <laughs> um, for for how he's able to sell these moments of him being kind of just this crazy guy. And is he crazy or is he playing one of his mind games with them when um, – which one was it? McClan- the other one. The other Anahan. McClanahan. Anahan. Yep. Where, yeah. When Anahan, too, gets injured – and the doctor's basically saying, you know, it's just a, a, a he pulled his ligament and he goes, if he plays on it, is he, you know, going to get any worse? He goes, no, it's not going to get worse. He'll just be in incredible pain. He goes, but he can't play on it. And then it basically becomes him bullying this guy who's injured 
into playing on the game. He flips the table. You know, uh, I want you to be a hockey player. I'll I'll play fine. I'll coach. I'll play on one leg. And then <laughs> as, as they're all getting all riled up and you know fighting with the coach, he just throws out of there and all calmly he turns to Noah Remarker. That'll get him going. <laughs> it's just you realize he's playing with them the whole time. It's such a great moment. Um, so right as they're tied at the end of the game, they pull the goalie. Uh, they end up, you know, t- or they tie the game after they pull the goalie, which. I like that they actually followed real hockey here. This isn't like the Mighty Ducks where they're doing things that seem to break every hockey rule and you know aren't really logical. And I love the Mighty Ducks too. But I mean, here this is like probably the most real hockey movie we've ever seen. And I like that little things like them, they kept it so true where, yeah, we tied a game and that's good in the Olympics. You know, you didn't lose. Um, here's the, did you notice the big discrepancy? We talked about some of the Olympic flaws that we noticed in I, Tonya with the rings and then some of the other stuff in Cool Runnings. Did you notice the one big flaw that we get here? Um, that there was a French reporter asking a question in the press conference and they wouldn't give a shit about <laughs> hockey in 1980. Uh, <laughs> no. It's, it's the music we hear. Oh, uh, the theme, the Olympic theme. Right, right, right. Yeah. Which yeah, didn't come out to 1984. Four years later, yeah. This was John Williams' early demo of the Olympic <laughs> fanfare. <laughs> that they're playing uh, Blake Placid here. Um, but uh, after this, they have the Czech game, which I guess was uh, a really big deal that, you know, they beat Czechoslovakia, which, uh, is it the Czech Republic? Czech Republic was later. Czechoslovakia or Czech Republic, whichever one it it's was. Czechoslovakia. They, in like the early nineties yeah. split into Czech Republic and Slovakia. Yeah. All right, yeah. So we're still away from that here, but again, one of the other dominant countries and they beat them seven to three. And this is where everybody's starting to look for publicity. We got the Olympic guys talking about, you know, you should do some interviews, and this is the montage of all the other Olympic ones they have when they're against Norway. And then they're asking for interview. Can we get an interview with Jim Craig? And he goes, no, there's going to be no interviews. They're taking on Romania. Uh, then it's like, oh, can we get more interviews? No. And then the players are like, you know, are you doing this? Uh, or no, the the uh, they're, the media is asking, are you doing this, coach, just to keep the spotlight on yourself? And he just sort of looks at them. And then they have the next one where it's West Germany. Um, and you know they're they're talking about okay now we've got the medal round coming up you're gonna play the Soviets in the semifinals where's Coach Brooks he goes oh he's not here right now and they don't say it in the movie but I almost look at that where they say you know oh he's he's just preparing for the game and they cut to him with his family I also kind of look at it where they had that moment where are you doing this because you could take the spotlight away from the players and then he's like all right I'll show them I just won't show up in the next press conference and he's now <laughs> messing with the media too I just I like the idea of sociopath. Herb Brooks here. And the media is always get... evil, aren't they? We're always freaking evil. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's just like you, Australian media, <laughs> you know, to be so invasive into the private lives of these young kids. Uh, but, I mean, it's an interesting tactic. He's saying no interviews, and he wanted them to stay focused. We don't really know why until it comes up to the gold medal here. Uh, we get a nice scene with him skating with the family. That's nice. Patricia Clarkson's there. We don't really care. Um, and then I guess we're right up to the gold medal game. Um, well, oh, not, no. Th- not the gold medal game, Colin. Come on. <laughs> not the gold medal. That's right. Um, but I guess we have to talk about here the whole of. So I'll, I'll get to that once you're done here. But he has that funny line where he's like, you know, Mikhailov and Antropov and something or other of. And then 
uh, he's saying we don't really stand a chance against him. And then it's like I, his wife's like, I might skip that part when you give this pep talk to the boys. <laughs> but, uh, this is just kind of like the last calm moment we always see in sports movies right before the big game. I just want to say this is the actual lineup for the Soviet Union team at the 1980 Winter Olympics. So ah, that's what I was going to do. Hel- Go for it. Yeah. Helmets Balderis, right? That's a non of. But then we have Zinetla Bilyanetov, Vileshchev Felatov, Alexander Golikov, <laughs> Vladimir Golikov, Alexei Kazanetov, Valery Karamolov, Vladimir Krotov, Yuri Lebedev, Sergei Makarov, Alexander Maltsev, Boris Mikhailov, Vladimir Mishkin, wasn't he a villain in Goldeneye? Uh, Vasilya Perevchin, <laughs> Vladimir Petrov, Alexander Savotrov, Sergei Stratrov, Velvi Trekkav, Vetri Veslev, and Viktor Zhutlov. Hello to all our Russian listeners. I'm sorry for butchering your beautiful language. Um, Do you know why they all have Ob on the names? Because you came across one name without Nob, and you're like, Dimitri Seriously, <laughs> You basically had a stroke. You had a stroke trying to pronounce the man's name without an Ob. Vladimir Mishkin. Wasn't it Dimitri Mishkin in GoldenEye? I just watched that the other day. There was a Dimitri Mishkin in that movie. God damn it. Um, yeah, I... I mean, just the the Madison Square Garden game. The the one thing that I actually learned a bit of a trivia fact for you here, Colin, is that apparently this was the very first movie to use digitally altered World Trade Centers in a movie. So every other movie post nine eleven had used like real footage prior to the attacks. Uh, the shot where you kind of get the nighttime shot of the twin towers was digitally altered. So this was the very first movie to. Uh, digitally include the Twin Towers in a movie. So there's a statistic for you. Um, I do love, like, going back to the, you know, whole Russian villain thing. I love the fact that, for some reason, before this game, this dick Russian, you know, John Medlonov, grabs the trophy (laughs) and just, like, skates around the ice and is like, yes, we win trophy. Fuck you, America. And then just, like, goes and puts it back in the stands. Like, what? That is such a dick move, but I kind of love it. Um, But I love the one person in uh, the crowd. What's that sign? Like, get the puck out of Afghanistan. (laughs) (laughs) That is the the most dirtiest word sentence you will have in a Disney movie. I can imagine every little kid turning to my, Mom, what does that? Just watch the movie, honey. Watch the movie. You know what would be great is if it just at the end of that said comma dummy, <laughs> <laughs> dummy of. Uh, <laughs> who do you play for? The Bulgarian women's national team? Like that should be dummy, <laughs> dummy. <laughs> That's a sledge on the ice. Ooh, um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I one thing also I noticed with Mrs. Herb. Um, we never do, they always talk about the kids. I think we see him for like two seconds at the end in the crowd. Skating? <laughs> yeah. well, I'm skating. I was actually wondering, I'm like, are those actually his kids? I don't know if I could recognize them. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, they just keep talking about these imaginary children. I think, is she like, um, the woman in Spider-Man? Like, my baby, my baby, there isn't really kids. She's like, her, yeah, exactly. the kids are like, honey, <laughs> we lost both of them. It's okay. Like, <laughs> you deal with it how you have to. <laughs> Um, but I will say, though, like, as much as we rip on poor, uh, you know, Mrs. Herb here, I do kind of like the scene where they're on the phone and she's all like, I miss you, and he kind of ignores it, but then he's all of a sudden like, honey, I miss you too. It's like, oh, look at that, sweet. Um, yeah, it's funny you notice about, mention about that, um, the Olympic theme. I actually didn't kind of connect the dots until you brought that up. I, I was just excited to hear the, the theme because it's obviously, it's a great theme. Yeah. 
uh, listen to off the podium, and you can hear it every episode, <laughs> mixed with size Gangnam Style. Um, <laughs> it's the only Korean song we knew, people. Um, but yeah, I, I think kind of what's really good about you know all these scenes that we have, sort of on the you know the Olympic you know matches is um, excuse me, they're all obviously the scores are accurate. You know, if you look up, you know what happened in the uh, the Olympics. But I mean, I, I wonder how. Uh, accurate they are in terms of like the play-by-play. So um, I did read that uh, it was accurate that the US did tie it right at the death uh, during that game against uh, Sweden, but I would be very fascinated to kind of see just how accurate when we get to the Soviet game, um, you know, all the play-by-play stuff is. Because, I mean, really, the last half an hour is just this game. Um, and obviously, I think most people assume that this is the gold medal game and this is what won the gold. And I think it's yeah. kind of... I mean, it technically kind of did, because I did read about this. It's actually a very interesting format they had in 1980 for the gold medal. It wasn't just a simple case of you win the semi, you go into the gold, you lose, you go for the bronze medal. Like, this was kind of a, you know, the top four teams from the round robins would go into this extra round, and then your points would carry over for the teams that you've already played, and then you would get points. So the Soviets still win the silver medal, so I guess that's kind of where people maybe assume that this sort of is the gold medal game, but the US obviously had to beat Finland to solidify the gold, if, which you get in this movie. Anyway, um, did you did you look up how Canada did in 1980, Colin, um, by chance? Uh, we were fifth, weren't we? Uh, sixth. You lost the fifth medal. Six. You lost the fifth yeah. place medal game, whatever, to Czechoslovakia six one. But you started off well. You beat the Netherlands ten one. That was a good start. Then you beat Poland five one. So things were going well for you guys. Then you lost three four to Finland. You beat Japan six nothing. Uh, and then you lost to the Soviet. Where's the, the you know the miracle movie from Canada <laughs> where you lost six four? To the Soviets. So basically, you missed out on being in the medal round by goal difference because you were on the same but, points as Finland. You know what? <laughs> we made up for it in the 1982 Summit Series against the Norwegian women's national team. <laughs> yes. I can also point out the US got their sweet revenge on those Norwegians. They beat them 5 1 in the uh, round robin mm-hmm. here. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's all great. It's, I just love the just all, it just works so well because really, you know, from everything here is just hockey, it's just pure hockey action. And, um, you know, it it works. It really, really works. And this is, again, the difference between this and the Mighty Ducks movie. You said, like, you know, the Mighty Ducks, well, they use fake things, sure. But, I mean, let's be honest. If in Mighty Ducks 2, uh, you know, the Mighty Ducks had a loss to Iceland first, then they would have, you know, come together more. Like, they, they started off too cocky, Team USA, in the Junior Goodwill Games, you know. They, they were beating the esteemed nations of Trinidad and Tobago and Germany. Uh, before they had to face up against Iceland <laughs> to get a real reality check. So, come on. Like, this is the difference between this and D2, the Mighty Ducks, which should be coming <laughs> soon to the Oz Network. <laughs> Only a handful of differences, really. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> um, the whole whip thing when, uh, what was he, the cowboy guy? A Texas hockey player. Come on, that's unrealistic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and what's, what's that's the, the only well, no, the, the speedy guy Mendoza who's from Miami come on he doesn't know what hockey is <laughs> he doesn't even he know more than team. the Icelandics <laughs> oh come on Iceland sort of have ice like somebody from Miami doesn't even realise they have a team in the city god damn it nobody in Miami knows they have teams in the Florida, Miami <laughs> Florida doesn't know they have sporting teams <laughs> Tampa Bay Lightning come on I'll get fucked <laughs> I can't get you with that one. Um, so, Reddit, we're going into the gold medal game here. 
the the main matchup against the Soviets. Uh, another one of these moments that you don't really see coming until it, it actually comes up, and it's so subtle that you can really appreciate it on multiple viewings. You know, as the coaches basically has like all this Olympic committee or the the U.S. hockey committee here wanting to wish them luck, and he goes, oh, sorry, you can't come in, but hey, you can come in after the game's over. He won't have let them aside, and they're like, well, we just want to wish them luck. <laughs> I kind of feel bad for these guys. <laughs> I'm Canadian. I feel bad for everybody, but uh, <laughs> like they're not even allowed to come in and say, hey, guys, congratulations, you made it here. None of us believed in you, but uh, good luck in the game. <laughs> um, we have the nice moment where we find out that Ocala Flanahan gets to play here. <laughs> Kanahan yeah, <laughs> his leg's healed. Uh, he's going to get to play. And then uh, we get Coach Brooks' great speech here. And you know, I would put this up there with uh, you know some of the great like sports motivational speeches we've had in different movies. Uh, the great line he had in here, which really starts it out, where he goes, you know, we could play them ten times and they may might win nine, but not this game, not tonight, you know. Uh, it's, it's not as cheesy or big. And this is where Gavin O'Connor, I think, had so much success in his next sports movie, he made Warrior, where it really could have gone over the top and cheesy and corny, and it's just kind of reserved here, and it works because it ages better that way. Um, the best moment, though, and this is, you know, we talked about in these sports movies, like, tearjerker movies for guys are usually something that's uplifting and heroic, and you could have a lot of moments in this, like when they win the game and everything, and, you know, uh, Brooks going back and having that one moment later on. But for me, like, the uplifting moment here is just something really subtle in the background when, you know, you're, they've been held off from the press. They've been, you know, worked like uh, slaves by Brooks for nine months. They won't even have their the people come in to wish them luck on the game. And you think, well, he just wants to keep them focused. And that's what, as a viewer, I'm always thinking watching this. He wants to be focused for the game. And they come out and then they walk past that wall where there's like hundreds of telegrams from just regular U.S. citizens. Mm. that says, go team, we're rooting for you. And as they pass the wall, they all, like, tap the telegrams and, like, you know, pat it or whatever. And that's, like, the, the nice tearjerker, heroic moment of the movie. I just love that. Um, and, and it also is just Gavin O'Connor's way of saying, like, they were doing this for the United States. And this is where the Cold War subplot really kind of ties in, where it was about something that the country needed. It wasn't just, you know, we uh, need to beat them at sports. This is, like, their home turf. You know, there's been all these problems in the world. You got Afghanistan, you got Iran, you got Watergate. You know, they're, they're fighting problems at home. They're fighting prob problems, you know, uh, abroad. And it was just, we want to have this for ourselves, something that we, nobody thought we could do against the greatest team in the world. There's a nice chance here, the USA, USA. Uh, here we get introduced to Al Michaels and great Canadian goalie legend uh, slash former member of parliament and Canadian cabinet minister ken dryden who you probably didn't even know who he was when they showed him in this clip here next to al michaels commentating uh, uh, or aren't all your members of parliament former hockey players like didn't wayne gretzky serve as the vice prime minister or something at one point or <laughs> uh i mean yeah yeah i guess <laughs> if wayne gretzky were ever prime minister tomorrow justin trudeau would quit <laughs> wayne gretzky, i'm running for prime minister all right everyone quit wayne gretzky's pm yeah. And in all honesty, I mean, people probably didn't know. Like, Ken Dryden, he, he was, you know, I would go as far to say maybe not for my generation, but, like, the one before. He was, like, the great goalie of that time. He was the Carey Price, what would be the comparison now, or uh, the you know, Martin Brodeur from when I was growing up. He was, like, the guy, the Montreal Canadiens goalie. And 
I think he was famous even in the years afterwards. I mean, before my time, but I could remember even as a kid, I knew who Ken Dryden was. And when he did run, you know, as, as uh, an MP, uh, maybe like probably around the time this movie came out, he was very inspired by Miracle. He's like, I'm going to run for office. But uh, when he ran, it was basically like, oh, yeah, I don't nobody knows what Ken Dryden's politics are, but he's going to win anyways. And I mean, he stuck around for over a decade and was a cabinet minister for a while. But that's like the cool cameo here. And also, I guess they used a lot of the real commentary. And you can tell when you watch this, there are probably moments where they got at least Al Michaels, who's still you know, uh, very well known as a, a sports commentator. They probably brought him in to record a few lines here and there, but they use real clips of the game. They use real, you know, audio clips. And I, I like to think that a lot of the audio and the commentary we hear throughout this game is the real deal. I can ruin and it as for I said you if you want me to. Oh, <laughs> uh, ruin it for me. They came in and recreated it. The only part of this that is original is the, do you believe in miracles? Yes. Uh, because well, I would, yeah. I mean, the shot where they've got their 1980s helmet oh, well, hair, I'm guessing, was yeah. just a real clip. <laughs> but like, as in the audio, the audio was recreated. But yeah, they uh. apparently they uh, Gavin O'Connor didn't want him to recreate that last bit because there's no way they could have recreated the raw emotion yeah. of that. So they kept that line in, which I mean is iconic. I mean, we have that in our intro at the moment for off the podium, and just it's one of the most famous, you know, I guess commentary lines in the history of sport. Um, I also like that they mentioned here, you know, half of the people in this building don't know the difference between a blue line and a closed yes. line, <laughs> which it's a great line, but that's that's kind of what sports is. You know, when you get, I remember um, it, the biggest deal during Sochi was, uh, you, you watch curling. So do you remember uh, curling with Russia? Uh, look, curling's one of the few sports that doesn't get shown a lot here on our coverage, but um, I pay attention to it when it's on, but no, I don't remember the Russian curling story coming soon to a theatre near you. Oh, well, well you should, but uh, the, the Russian women's curling team, they got a lot of attention for, for various reasons, which, Googling you know, them now. I'll... I'll <laughs> <laughs> I was about to send you the pic, but... <laughs> <laughs> but um, oh. they, they got so much attention during the Sochi Olympics, and they were an okay team. And I kind of like you know the Russian team. I like them for more than just using <laughs> on Google here. But, I like Russian curling; uh, it's one of my favorite teams. Yeah, me too. <laughs> but um, the big deal they had was that the crowds would get really rowdy there, and uh, the the skip for the Russian team, Anna Sidorova. She made a lot of like critical comments about the these fans here. They don't understand anything about the game, and these are like her own people. And she's talking such a Russian thing, just talking down her own people uh, because the crowds were getting rowdy. And it's like you're supposed to be quiet during curling. There's kind of like an etiquette, and they didn't understand the rules of the game, so they'd be cheering at times when they probably shouldn't. And she was like annoyed with this, which is such a Russian thing to do. But uh, you know that's kind of the way it is when you get your home team and they're competing at like this major level you're going to have people who aren't fans of the sport who just get into it. And I think uh, one of the things that happened after this is you got a lot more... I am Googling what you're telling me right now. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, there was a huge resurgence in American hockey because of this. And when you look at like the people who would have been kids around this time and you look at like the U.S. hockey players that really came about... Uh, in the late 90s, early 2000s, I mean, you can definitely tie those things together. But, um, you know, it, it's, it's just a great line they had there. And then uh, the game itself, we can kind of just breeze through here. You know, there's the first goal by Russia. They tie it. There's another goal by Russia. Um, I like that after the first period, when they basically had the game tied, I think, at 2-2, 
that the Russian coach Count Dracula here, he pulls their goalie, <laughs> which if you know anything about hockey, you pull your goalie, like if you're really close to yeah. winning a game at the end, if you're pulling a mid-game, it's because it was disastrous. It was because it was like Bulgarian level <laughs> uh, landslides against you, like 10 to 1 in one period. And here they're tied and he's like, you're out of here. You're going to go home. Your wife and child are going to be dead, lying in a snowbank. You're sent to Siberia. Fuck off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Putin, little Putin there is pulling the trigger on his family. <laughs> Boris Yeltsin at this point, died. isn't it? Or Menendev Jolov or somebody? <laughs> uh, Yeltsin, I don't know. Um, one of those guys. Lenin. But, yeah, no, it's no. just... You're not, unless you're a hockey fan, you know, I keep trying <laughs> I still have this picture open on my screen here, Ben. Great, Jamie, Jamie, come look what Colin's looking at. <laughs> oh, she's seen the folder on my desktop. <laughs> wow, there's a folder on the desktop. She's like, Russian curling, what's this? <laughs> Anyways. Where's the uh, Russian men's curling the- team, she says. She starts Googling them. <laughs> She's got her own ones, a man can. <laughs> she doesn't have one but, phone. Um, she has one bloody laptop filled with it. Yeah, <laughs> her entire computer. Uh, but again, if you're a big sports fan or you're a hockey fan, you get why that's funny that they pull the goalie. But the way Gavin O'Connor does is he, uh, nothing is obvious in this movie. And he he's kind of made this for sports fans and for hockey fans. And he doesn't want to spell anything out for you. So that's just kind of the coolest moments in the movie here. Uh some of the highlights you get here in what is basically 30 minutes of straight hockey in one game, which does amount to like almost 50% of the game. You get Craig being knocked down, which you know, I don't know how much of this is elaborated. I'd love to go back and watch the real game. I've never seen anything other than highlights. Um, but uh, when he gets knocked down, that's kind of the one big dramatic moment. I mean, he's been the one who hold, held this whole team together. And then, you know, obviously the, the main goal that's scored by Ruzioni, the captain, which this is kind of his one big moment of the whole movie. He's the captain of the team because he was the first guy to speak up. But I guess kind of like, um, like Charlie in the first mighty ducks. It's not, you know, the guy who's the best player on the team. You know, it's the one who holds the team, the heart of the team, <laughs> more mighty ducks here. I just love how Wouldn't this, have been great. this great iconic moment in American sport. And he's a Canadian <laughs> Australian. Oh, it's so similar to the mighty ducks movie. <laughs> You remember when Conway was doing the triple deke? <laughs> it was kind of like Rizzoni getting the, the, the lead goal in the third period. That, that time when Goldberg was tied to the goals and wouldn't get up. <laughs> you know, it was so similar. <laughs> and you know, that one slap shot that Rizzoni took here. Does it remind you of the knuckle puck? And <laughs> <Buddy Ducks? laughs> it's knuckle puck time. <laughs> But, I, 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 again, I don't, I don't know how much of this was real, and I'm assuming it was, but when Aruzioni, the captain, the guy who kind of made this team, gets the, the lead goal, and all of a sudden they're winning because of that. Uh, and then just the fact that they didn't feel they needed to dramatize this and make it where they score that goal at the last minute. I mean, the end of this movie is basically a 10-minute countdown of can we hold them off from scoring another goal? And you get that whole countdown at the end, like seven, six, five, four. And I love that they cut to the shots in the stands and his wife. Here we'll give a shout out to, you know, 16-time Academy Award nominee Patricia Clarkson. <laughs> when everybody's counting down and she's just sitting there, she, her eyes are closed and she can't even look up. And she's like, she looks like she's praying at that moment. You know, please don't let them score. It's a really nice uh, scene there for her. 
Uh, it's amazing she didn't win her first of 17 Oscars there. <laughs> but that whole countdown is like so great. I just love it. And then when, you know, finally it, it ends and you get that Al Michaels line. It's like, do you believe in miracles? Yes! Yeah. That is like the iconic line. As you said, it's an off the podium. And everybody knew that. I, I like, you know, you mentioned that that, that was Gavin O'Connor's thinking there. You can't recreate that. I know that uh, they're going to be doing a Neil Armstrong uh, movie coming out soon, uh, or I guess coming out this year, which is probably going to be one of the number one movies I want to see this whole year up there with like Star Wars, because I'm just yeah. such a huge fan of like NASA and Apollo missions. But I, I would imagine that when they have, if they have that scene in the movie where he sets foot on the moon, that one small step from man, they're not going to have whatever actors playing Neil Armstrong saying that. They would have to use the real quote, because that's kind of, this is like the hockey equivalent of that. So, you know, it's so weird. Um, yeah, exactly. And, you know, uh, I, I also just want to say as far as the recreations they had with uh, the commentary, as you said, you know, you, you burst my bubble there, you, you crush my dream that they used all this real audio, but it is pretty seamless. And I don't think, you know, Al Michael sounds any different. And uh, did they bring Ken Dryden in for that as well? I mean, they would have had to, I guess. I, uh, I, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh no! Hang on! No, hang on! Sorry. All right. No, no, no. I was, I was, I was looking at the uh, uh, 9/11 movie, the Neil Armstrong movie, 9/11 movie. Uh, but no, yes, you're right. Uh, so it says here, <laughs> Michaels, along with broadcasting partner Ken Dryden, recreated their Olympic commentary for the 2004 movie Miracle. Although Michaels and Dryden recreated the bulk of their commentary, the closing seconds of the game against the Soviet Union used the original ABC Sports commentary. Gavin O'Connor, director of Miracle, decided to use the last 10 seconds uh, of Do You Believe in Miracles? Yes, because he felt he could not ask him to recreate the emotion experience at that moment. They cleaned up the recording to make the transition to the authentic call as seamless as possible. And you really can't tell. You really can't yeah. tell. Yeah, the, the only way that I was able to pick it apart in this is there are a couple of lines here and there where you're like, a sports commentator wouldn't say that. And we talked about this, I think, I don't know if it was during Cool Runnings or I, Tanya, about that British commentator that got in a lot of trouble because mm. when uh, the, the competition wiped out, he was screaming, yes, yes. Like, it doesn't matter if it's your country or not. There's certain etiquette. And there are a few lines here and there where, you know, it's like uh, – you know, we have to do something to stop these filthy Soviet dummies, you know, or something like that. <laughs> but yeah, other than that, it's great. I love all the commentary we have here and just how much hockey we have. And it, it, it plays so well. You don't get bored watching this much hockey. Um, also, I guess just to tie it up here, kind of just like we said, this whole movie is about one guy. When they win the game here, first of all, it's not the gold. We just sort of have the narration of uh, Brooks talking about what happened afterwards. But when they're celebrating on the ice and you see the crowd's reaction and everything, the majority of this climax really has to do with Brooks excusing himself backstage by himself. And then it's not even the typical sports moment where he sits there and he cries or something like that. He just sort of has one of these like, yes, mm, you know, <laughs> like self high five. <laughs> and it's just so much fun. It's like that's totally what Brooks would do. Uh, they just sort of tie it up here talking about uh, the, the dream teams, which I don't know. I'll get your opinion on that if you want to weigh in as well about whether you like having the NHL players. Because he, he brings up a good point here about, uh, you know, they call them the dream teams, but they seldom ever get a dream that, you know, these players, they're just playing. I mean, it's in the middle of the NHL season. And if you were to ask them, do you want to win the, you know, Olympic gold medal or do you want to win the Stanley Cup? I'm guaranteeing a lot of them are going to say the Stanley Cup because the payout's better. Um, but I don't know. I, I kind of am excited to go back to see what it's going to be like with amateur athletes again. But that is it. That is... 
uh, Miracle. Uh, one more thing I'll add before we uh, close the episode here, but uh, just carry us through the game here. Yeah, I just randomly, on because I looked up just quickly, First Man is the name of the Neil Armstrong movie. Uh, Ryan Gosling is apparently playing Neil Armstrong. Do we want to see We're this covered. movie anymore? Uh- <laughs> yeah, we have to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, but Ryan Gosling, come on, he's going to be shirtless on the moon. He's going to be like, <laughs> one small step for man, rubbing his abs or something like that. So all the women come and watch it. Um, Corey Kyle Chandler. Jason Clark. I was about to say Jason Clark's in it, so we've got some Australian connection there. I like Jason Clark. Uh, underrated Australian actor. Can I just point that out? Um, yeah, I mean, everything here is just... I can't just... Like, it's so... Just the scenes here are just so well shot, as I've already said plenty of times. And it's like, if you didn't know what happened, like, if you, all you knew was that they beat the Soviets... And I think this is the general misconception, isn't it? That this was the gold medal game. I think that's what's historically assumed by most people, but it's not yeah. accurate. Um, so I think just kind of just the backs and forths and kind of, you know, I've never watched this game in my my life, so I don't know how accurate it is. Um, but just to set up everything about it, it's just so well done. And you are tense watching this game. You know they're going to win. Um, it's kind of like, as I said, in Cool Runnings, like, you know, they're not going to win a medal, but you kind of, oh, I'm sad they don't win a medal, you know? So like, you mm-hmm. know, that, but you are still like tense. And the one line I don't, is it said in this point or is it early on that I, I wanted to mention before when they mentioned about, and I think they're watching the Soviets and they're like, they never smile. And I was like, oh, well, they're not allowed to smile. They'll get shot. Or something like yeah. that. Like, I just like all these no, actors. Not rules either. <laughs> yeah, all the, all the actors who were playing these Soviet guys, like it's it's kind of you know you got Count Dracula the coach and just all these other like sort of angry looking Soviets, uh, which I do actually want to go back and rewatch that thirty for thirty. I said I was going to in the lead up to this, but I didn't. Where it's kind of told from the Soviets' perspective. Um, but yeah, just, it's such great action. It's so good. And like, I like the pregame speech. I'm not going to talk that down. I think it's great. Definitely. But I think the real bit that really gets me goosebumped and a bit teary is the end of this, you know, the, do you believe in miracles? Mm -hmm. Yes. And just the crowd and just that shot of her, like in the tunnel, just self high-fiving, just the way he crouches down. Like, oh, that, that gives me tears. Like that's like, now how about, I know there's another one, which I missed here where they're talking about uh, Herb on the end, where it said he died uh, just oh. after production or finish or whatever. And that one line they have, which what one of the most effective taglines in the end of the movie ever, where it said, he never saw it, he lived it. Like, yeah. what an incredible line. And look, it's terrible that he died. Like, what, he was involved in this film, kind of, you know, as a... He was one a, of the consultants. Yeah, yeah, as a consultant, but, like, sadly, it was, and it was a car accident, too. Um which apparently he basically just fell asleep at the wheel. He wasn't wearing a seatbelt, and if he was wearing a seatbelt, he would have survived. So, you know, tragic end, kind of, the, the fact that basically just as this movie came out, the guy died, um, which surprises me, again, when you get to the box office that this movie didn't make more. But, um, you know, that just makes a bit of a, a tragic end to it with everything. It's kind of like when you watch Cool Runnings and you realise John Candy kind of died not long after that film came out. Well, you know, so... Um, but yeah, just that bit with him crying at the end, just everything. And just, I, I do kind of like the narration where you kind of see the medal ceremony at the end and, uh, very accurate looking medals too. If you actually Google what the Lake Placid, mm-hmm. uh, Olympic medals look like, they're pretty much exactly the same. Um, and I just like all those shots of like the American flags. And, like it, it really is like as non-Americans, like I guess we're not meant to get as emotional about this as Americans would, but you know, you can't help but feel like, wow, you know, a sense of national pride that would have come from this game. Yeah. 
Um, and it's not like one of these cheesy American-filled movies. Like, I mean, I love Independence Day, but come on. Like, that's just jerking with the American flag, that whole movie. But um, <laughs> this is one of those ones where it's, it's kind of you can understand the, the level of pride that you have with it. So I think that's done really well. Um, but yeah, I, one thing I'd say, I love the, the credits where they kind of have the, the shots of the people and says what they go on mm-hmm. to become. Uh, I love the song Dream On by Aerosmith. Such a great song. Um but yeah, it's interesting when the narration, when he says like, oh, a few years later, they allow professionals. Can we just be honest? It was 18 years later. Like, <laughs> they didn't allow it to Nardo. Well, um, so, I mean, how many Olympics is that? Well, uh, a lot more because they changed four, the cycle, remember? Four or five. 84, yeah. 88, 92, 94. So the five Olympics later. Look, I, I am always a person who can understand the, the, the initial thing of the Olympics that it was for amateurs. Um, but I think, I think it's right that they've adapted to professionals, if that makes sense, because the world we live in is so professional heavy when it comes to sport that I think that in order to keep the Olympics at the pinnacle of sports, which I think it should be, uh, you need to allow the professionals to play. And I think kind of what is, you know, trending in a lot of these Olympic sports is really, a lot of these professional athletes who maybe would make more money by winning a Stanley Cup are starting to see the significance of the Olympics. Like tennis, for example, was always kind of a, why the hell is tennis in the Olympics? These players don't care. But if you look in the last 10 years, you know, Federer, Nadal, you know, Serena Williams, all these people, they're really treating the Olympics as an important, you know, which I think is you should. Um, so I, I like the fact that you have, like, you know, the fact that Wayne Gretzky got to play in the Olympics, you know, Sidney Crosby, obviously, you know, in 2010, all these moments. And to me, it seems like a lot of them really do care about it, uh, that it is a significant part of them to become an Olympian. But I don't know how I'm going to watch, like, the how it's going to be. Maybe it's different for me that I don't kind of live and breathe it as much as you do over there in Canada, but... I, I looked at the roster for the Team Canada going to Pyeongchang. I know nobody. So I'm like, who? Yeah. Who are these players? So it's going to I be mean, interesting. In one way, it's opening it up for women's hockey to kind of take center stage this time, uh, at least in Canada and the United States. Because let's be honest, I mean, those are the only two real competitive countries. I think there was the one, uh, I, was it in Sochi, where U.S. missed out on the gold medal game and it was like the biggest upset ever? Twice, I think, actually. I was looking at that yesterday and I think actually there was two uh, Olympics where the women, the U.S. missed yeah. out on. I will confirm that in a but, second. But I mean, it's just a given that it's no, U.S. Once. and Canada every time in women's hockey. Um, but at least here in Canada, I mean, we're used to the big stars like Sidney Crosby uh, and Steve Stamkos and, you know, others, uh, you know, really taking uh, all the media attention and the focus with the Olympics. And for the first time ever, you know, the men's hockey team are going to be a bunch of unknowns and the women's hockey team are going to be the major names. Uh, So much so that there's this uh, advertising campaign for cereal here. And there's a handful of our, I guess, our biggest athletes who are on cereal boxes, and it's a woman's hockey player who is on, you know, the the, the cereal box for the hockey one that they have here, uh, which I don't think that ever would have happened if you had the NHL players in there. I think it, it's it's interesting change of play, pace. I do like having the NHL players because it really is like the closest you're going to get to a real true World Cup. Yeah. Um, but. I don't know. There's still something about the amateur athletes. I don't know how it's going to go this time because these teams are being thrown together at the last minute as well. But it's still going to be fun to kind of go back to at least for one Olympics. 
Um, it is also interesting, or you have the statistic there about uh, the women's hockey. Yeah, Turin, uh, Sweden uh, mm. made it. Uh, Canada haven't lost a goal since Nagano, uh, so you've won four in a row. But, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting too, quickly. Uh, so after these games, Soviet Union slash unified team, which, as we all know, was basically the Soviet Union in 1992, they won the next three. Um, and basically Russia, as Russia have only since 94 have won they won the silver in Nagano they lost the Czech Republic in the gold medal game they got the bronze in Salt Lake and they haven't won a medal since so basically post their next three Sweden obviously famously beat Canada in that shootout and it wasn't Paul Korea missed that shot uh, one of my favourite players. Um, you know, he wasn't professional at the time. But anyway, uh, so Sweden won gold in Lillehammer. Czech Republic in Nagano. Obviously, we talked about Canada in 2002. Sweden did it again in 2006, and Canada have won the last two. So, um, yeah, I, I read an article the other day saying that I think it was on a CBC predictions for the 2018 games, and they were basically like, bold prediction, neither Canadian team will win gold in ice hockey. So, <laughs> there you go. How, how would that be in Canada? Would you guys, like, you could top the medal tally with like 30 gold but because you didn't win gold in ice hockey like oh unsuccessful games eh yeah that's what happened in torino basically for us <laughs> <laughs> the great disappointment of 2006 um another thing that's interesting is and i didn't realize this until i researched this now because the the players they focus on in this movie aren't necessarily the ones who were the biggest outside of this uh they just sort of picked a couple of random guys to focus on but when they have that thing at the end where it says what they all went on to, if you actually read it, most of them are saying what their career ended up being like, you know, real estate in agents. business or whatever. They were all yeah, real estate but, agents. <laughs> exactly. But if you read on Wikipedia, out of the 20 players on the U.S. team, 13 of them eventually played in the NHL. Five mm. of them went on to play over 500 games and three would play over 1,000 lifetime games. And some of these became big names like Dave Christian. I didn't even realize he was in this movie because he's not. But he played on the U.S. Olympic team, and he was a former captain of the Winnipeg Jets, my home team here. Um, who else do we have here? O'Callaghan played uh, uh, during the 80s for the Blackhawks and the Devils. Uh, uh, Patrick, the or Craig Patrick, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Gavin O'Connor's guy. Um, Truman Show's friend. Hey, he's that guy. <laughs> oh, um, no, Emmerich. No, Emmerich. No, Emmerich uh, went on... Uh, to be uh, uh, manage and coach, and he was the GM of the Pittsburgh Penguins, and they won their back-to-back Stanley Cups. Uh, Brooks went on to coach, as we said, the French team in 1998, as well as Boo. the U.S. Olympic team in 2002, uh, which was the next time they were in the gold medal game. Um, one guy here, Ken Morrow, won the Stanley Cup in 1980 uh, on the New York Islanders. So he won the Olympic medal and the Stanley Cup in the same year. Uh, he must have been picked up very late because um, he, I think this was the guy that they said in the credits he was uh, a scout for the Islanders. But they don't identify that he played for the Islanders and won the Stanley Cup for the Islanders too in the same year that he was in the Olympics here. So he must have been picked up by the team after the Olympics or something. Do you... The big one though. Sorry, no, I interrupted. Finish. I'll go on. Uh, just to finish up here, the big one, our star, Jim Craig, appeared in 30 NHL games between 1980 and 1984. <laughs> So the guy who had the least, of all the ones who played in the NHL, the guy with the least amount of success was Jim Craig. Yeah, that's interesting. Do you know the rules about, like, as soon as you, say, came home from the Olympics, were you allowed to then go and play in the NHL? And as soon as you played, like, one NHL game, you were officially deemed ineligible for, like, the next Olympics? How how did the rules work around that? Do you know? 
I have no idea. Because, again, by the time I was really following Winter Olympics, it was Nagano. But um, I, I think you, if you're under contract to the NHL, it's probably something like that. Because we know that some of these minor league teams, a lot of these guys were, would have been playing in the minors. Some of them were playing in college or whatever. But um, uh, who is the one uh, playing for the Kalamazoo? (laughs) (laughs) But um, like with this time, the Olympics, we do have a couple of guys who were under contract to the NHL, but they were sent down to the AHL or whatever. Well, I was going to ask that too with this current one. And I know this is probably something we talk more about on Off the Podium, but if, say, like Sidney Crosby was like, fuck you, NHL, I want to play for Team Canada, could he just say, (laughs) I'm not going to play for Pittsburgh for a month and go off and do it? Or is it like completely the Ice Hockey Federation has said no NHL players can play in Pyeongchang? I think it's the NHL has said no NHL players can play. Um, Which... It's disappointing, but we also don't <laughs> like we we follow the Olympics when we're watching these guys, and then how many of us really go back and watch a week later how they're performing in the NHL? I mean, if it really does take its toll on the teams, I can understand from a business perspective why they wouldn't do that, but it's still disappointing that we can't get that. But I, I would prefer the Olympics over the NHL, even if they found some way to work it out or delay the season a few weeks. Yeah, I, I would be this. I like I just. I remember seeing that last year, very disappointed that it wasn't happening. And again, kind of, you know, it could be the most entertaining hockey tournament of all time. And everyone would be like, well, fuck, we don't need the NHL players. You know, you could find the next Sidney Crosby amongst these people. Who knows? But, um, yeah, I, I, I assumed it should be something of like a, a choice. Cause I know kind of following soccer, for example, there's a, there's always a, a big thing around club versus country, particularly when it comes to like a non FIFA tournament. If it's just a friendly, you know, a lot of players will be like, well, I'm not playing for Australia. I'd rather play for Manchester United cause I'm getting more money for it. But personally, myself, if I was an athlete, I would always choose country <laughs> over club, no matter how much money I was getting. Cause that to me is the pinnacle of what you're playing for. So that's where I would I... think if someone like Sidney Crosby was like, no, fuck you. I want to play for Canada. So what he would just basically have to get demoted to the AHL. He's Sidney Crosby playing for the Kalamazoo, <laughs> whatever. Just score like fifty goals a match. Uh, also, I've seen your first grade report card. You're not becoming a professional. <laughs> it was kindergarten, not first grade. Can we read that on the air? Do we have that? I can find it here. It's just it's really funny the way it's written. Um, I'll I was find not it, good at climbing and jumping and shit, and I was starting to read. I actually, with all those report cards, it was funny. I found all my high school ones, and I did French in year seven and eight. And I was bloody good at French, apparently, according to my things. It's like, Ben is speaking fluently in French. He's really good. He has a big career in French. And I stopped doing it after year eight. And all I do now is bag out French, France. You could have been like... Her Brooks translator in Nagano or something. Apparently, I was really good at it. So there you go. I've missed my calling. Uh, just to read here the report card of Ben Waterer's <laughs> primary school. Um, what would what... <coughs> I was kidding? Us. Bit of... So I was five. All right, five years old. Uh, ben has made a very good start to school life. He is an outgoing, friendly, and courteous child. He cooperates well with others and generally is well-behaved. Boy, did that change. <laughs> generally well-behaved. <laughs> he takes a keen interest in class themes and contributes very well to class discuss- discussions, expressing himself in a clear, logical manner. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> They never heard you debate the love stories of the James Bond film series. (laughs) 
Um, he has involved himself in a wide variety of activities with dramatic role play. Yes. I'm sure that continued in some form. Oh, <laughs> and block construction. Yeah. <laughs> Love my block construction. <laughs> he got an A plus in block construction. <laughs> Being particular favorites. He's always attracted to any new art activity and has produced some lovely work. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Ben is making excellent progress in the language area <laughs> and is yeah. already starting to read. Starting to. <laughs> that was, you know, again, like 20, what, six years ago? Starting. I still haven't completed that. Can we go Can we go back to Mrs. Bart- Hagen and Bart- tell her that you never progressed past that <laughs> level of reading? <laughs> She's probably dead by now. I don't know what happened to her. <laughs> now here's the best part of future professional athlete Ben Waterworth. <laughs> um, he can count to a hundred and recognizes. And this isn't it yet. He can count to a hundred and recognizes the numerals up to ten. <laughs> you can count to a hundred. You recognize the which one is this Ben? Nine. This one. <laughs> ten. This one. I don't know. <laughs> you know, Casper is a year and a half, and he can recognize eleven. <laughs> Well, good for him. <laughs> uh, he has performed particularly well with ordering activities. All right, here it is, the main event. Physical skills such as climbing, jumping, and kicking balls, though they're improving, need some additional practice. <laughs> I was never, ever destined to be an Olympian, all right? As a five... They should be making a movie on me, like, who has had the world against him as a five-year-old. People said he couldn't <laughs> climb and kick a ball. <laughs> Ben completes his first jumping jacks. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! <laughs> when I make the Beijing 2022 curling team, they will make a movie on me. <laughs> That's better than the whole movie of Miracle right there. <laughs> this is so inspiring. Oh, Anyways, God. let's... um wrap this up here i also found it cool just watching the credits that bill ranford i don't know if you recognize that name uh is credited as a photo double while imdb credits him as a stunt double bill ranford was of course one of the most famous goalies in uh nhl history he uh won the stanley cup with uh the edmonton oilers a little team with wayne gretzky so i guess the oilers not for gretzky just to clarify that yeah (laughs) yeah gretzky Prime Minister here. <laughs> Wouldn't dare boo Wayne Gretzky on the line to a Canadian. That starts a war against yeah. Canada. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Gretzky's lives matter. Come on. <laughs> uh, we can find a way to work these into every episode, people. Just tell us when to stop. <laughs> Hashtag me too Gretzky. Uh, no, that doesn't work. <laughs> Hashtag Gretzky too. There we go. <laughs> Oh, can I just say Anyways. Can I have some breaking news right now for you too, by the way? So Mallory apparently has started watching the movie. She's not gonna be able to join us. <laughs> she's, <laughs> oh, she's literally texted me. Did you guys talk about Steve Mallory? I'm like, which one is that? She says, I think it was a reporter on the TV in the background. I'm like <laughs> Okay. <laughs> she was named after the reporter in the background yeah. of the Lake Placid 1980 Olympics. Oh god, she wasn't even close to being born. I think her parents were about 12 at that point. Come on. <laughs> her parents were there scoring high marks in block construction. And watching the opening ceremonies of the Olympics and a background report. Mallory, 
You know, in a couple of decades, that might be a nice name for a girl. <laughs> so oh, there you go. God. We talked about Steve Mallory, famous background <laughs> reporter in the Lake Placid Games. They'll be making a movie about him soon, starring Ryan Gosling. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, let's uh, wrap this up here. Um Box office first, let's go with that. So, you mentioned uh, your surprise movie didn't make more money. I mean, obviously, you know, $64 million is not huge compared to, like, some blockbusters out there. But you really have to compare it to, like, whatever the genre is here. And I remember when this movie came out, I mean, it opened huge. I think it – let me find the opening weekend here because that's the other thing. We'll find what it was up against. So, it opened February 6th. And this is different now because we just came off of this past year where Deadpool opened in February – and you know, did over a hundred million dollars. But two thousand four, February was pretty much a dead time for box office. Barbershop two, back in business, opened number one with twenty four million. Miracle, nineteen million, which was pretty solid at the time. Um, also, you've got Serve was out that week. Along came Polly, the Butterfly Effect, and Catch That Kid, oh. which I'm sure starred Dougie Doug. <laughs> <laughs> Catch that darn kid, the original. The prequel to that darn cat. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But overall, box office, this is where it gets interesting. So, 64 million, um, which places it at uh, number six of all time in coach, uh, I guess, led sports movies behind Coach Carter. Uh, another one that I think that one wasn't Disney, but uh, what the same genre? Cool Running. Samuel L. And- Jackson is not in a Disney movie. Come on, yeah. <laughs> I'm tired of you motherfucking athletes losing these motherfucking games. <laughs> um, cool Running's number four. Any given Sunday, three. The Rookie, which I think was probably the other one that was uh, uh, after Remember the Titans that kind of got this whole genre going with Disney had Dennis Quaid in that one. Uh, And then remember the Titans, obviously number one by far. Um, It is number three of all time of Olympic movies behind only blades of glory, which as we said last week is not an Olympic movie. It's not an Olympic movie. Yeah. And cool runnings, which made $68 million. Um, Finally, number one, as far as hockey of all time, followed by the tooth fairy. Number two, that's a hockey movie. What? (laughs) With the rocks. Who didn't? Hang on a minute. Can we go back in time to 1992 and slap people in the face? We're not going to see the Mighty Ducks movie. Come on, people. (laughs) This is like the only movie in the history of movies that spawned a professional sporting team. Come on. It is kind of sad when you look at the top grossing hockey movies of all time. Miracle, of course, number one. (laughs) Tooth Fairy, number two. The Mighty Ducks, three and four. Uh, Well, the Mighty Ducks, number three. Mighty Ducks, two, four. The Love Guru, number five. (laughs) Love Guru, (laughs) man. Slapshot, the I think it was like early '80s or late '70s yeah. Canadian uh, classic hockey movie, probably the best hockey movie of all time. Number six, The Cutting Edge. Wasn't that a figure skating movie? Didn't we talk about that? Yeah, because that was a Mallory movie. Um, she yeah. likes that movie. Yeah, that also had Steve Mallory in the background as. Well. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only uh, reason D3 why she likes these movies. D three, The Mighty Ducks, Sudden, Sudden Death, Death, and Young Blood. How is Mystery Alaska only made eight? That's a good That's- movie. That's what I'm talking about. That was such a great movie, and it's the 11th highest grossing sports, which still 11th of all time, and it made less than $10 million. People do not like hockey movies, do they? Like, this is pathetic. Like, we need to change this. They don't make hockey movies. (laughs) (laughs) 
There are only 16 movies on this list. The Rocket, which is a Canadian movie about Rocket Richard, one of the most famous hockey players of all time, uh, is off this list, unranked. Uh, so really only 16 movies can even officially be ranked here. But Where? overall, oh. you look at all those. Where is you the look Wayne Gretzky the- movie? Come on. Like, <laughs> I mean, he hasn't died yet. When 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 he's three months away from dying, neither uh, is Tonya stopped- Harding. She's alive. <laughs> <laughs> Some might debate that, <laughs> but um, this is actually but- really like to think the fact that they honestly don't make these movies. But it's it's kind yeah. of interesting because I mean, legitimately, the Mighty Ducks trilogy is like beloved by Australians, and our only ever NHL player. I interviewed him. What made you get into ice hockey? Oh, I love the Mighty Ducks movies growing up. Like that is how Australians get into this sport, people. Um, Which is why they're on the ice with cowboy hats and lassos. Yeah, yeah, that's base. That's crocodile hunting on ice. <laughs> uh, but it is interesting that even though the box office is in like massive blockbuster, I mean, the time it came out, this was like people were surprised it made as much money as it did. It wasn't quite at the level of the rookie and remember the Titans. But it was still big, and this really got Disney saying, let's do this annually. Every year, let's put one of these sports movies out. Um, This is where it gets interesting, though. Domestic box office, $64,378,093. That accounts for 99.9% of its worldwide take. (laughs) Foreign, $67,615. Now, I know that doesn't include Canada, because when domestic box office actually includes America and Canada... But think about that. Outside of the United States and Canada, only $67,000 worldwide. Like, obviously, this appealed to just one nation. No, two nations, Colin. I have the nations in front of me here. I can tell you that. Germany, it made (laughs) $42,962. So more than 50% of its overseas gross comes from Germany, who lost to them in Spain quarter. (laughs) Spain, who love ice hockey in Spain. Just, they're, Very they're big in Spain. Crazy for it. 24,600. So only Germans and Spaniards saw this movie. Like the Russians, no, nah, I mean, we will not see such a piece of fiction. <laughs> <laughs> Dummy. <laughs> <laughs> who do you think you are, the B- Bulgarian women's national team? <laughs> but... There is somebody who said, you know, we've talked about other movies about how when Americans are involved in productions, no, you have to make it more of an American story because otherwise Americans won't see it. Apparently, this is a worldwide thing. People don't see movies if it's not about their country uh, because this movie was very prominently. I mean, it features the American flag on it. You know, the 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 jersey uh, that we see Jim Craig on the front, it says USA. And I do know that other movies that have done this Disney, one of the more recent ones, which was a great movie. Um, um, what was it called? McFarlane with uh, Kevin Costner about a cross-country team in high school. And that sports movie was renamed... It was called McFarlane USA in the United States. Here in Canada, and we shouldn't have a problem with this. We watched Miracle. We watched these movies. In Canada, they renamed the movie just McFarland because they thought, if we call it McFarlane USA, people won't want to see it because they're like, well, I don't want to watch an American story. So, I mean, obviously there's something to that. $67,000 outside of the United States and Canada. That's crazy. No one in Australia wanted... No one gave a shit... Uh, what were we doing in February 2004? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't even remember where Block I was. Construction. Pro- Block construction. Block The reality show. <laughs> yes, yes, apparently. It's interesting, actually, because that's a, that's a, been a fun episode to do, like movies that have changed their names in different countries. Because, um, mm-hmm. like, the Mighty Ducks, for example, the first Mighty Ducks movie in Australia, it's called Champions. So, like, I have it mm-hmm. on DVD, and it's called Champions. And you're like, what? 
but like that's for some reason what it's called in Australia. So, um, and I think that that baseball movie with Jimmy Fallon and Drew Barrymore, what's called like the perfect catch or oh, fever fever, pitch. So here it's called the perfect catch, but for you it's called fever mm-hmm. pitch. So yeah, weird. Yeah. Um, critics ratings. I mean, this had great critic responses. Scott, uh, still to this day, 80% of rotten tomatoes audience score is 90%. IMDb, it's got a 7.5. So, this is probably still to this day considered to be one of the best sports movies. And I think it kind of paved the way for another movie that came out later this year. Obviously, it didn't influence that movie. Uh, but the movie that came out a few few months after this or later in the year, Friday Night Lights, probably mm. went on to be considered the greatest sports movie of all time, at least as far as realism goes. And I don't think that that movie would have succeeded as much as if you didn't have kind of that documentary feel that Miracle had. Um, just looking at some of the reviews that Miracle has here. Uh, Kurt Russell's performance guides this cliche-ridden tale into the realm of inspirational nostalgic goodness. Can it be considered a cliche if it's a true story, though? Like, that's what I don't get about some of these bad reviews. No, but I mean, the thing... I can see what they're saying, but at the end of the day, this... No, like, I mean, Cool Running is more cliche than this. Any of the Eagles is more cliche than this. Like... I don't know. I feel that you don't kind of have, like, even the stuff which we didn't really talk a whole lot about of, like, these are just college kids and they've got the world against, like, that's not really talked up as much as in, like, Cool Runnings. Like, oh, here's these four Jamaicans. Like, what are they going to do? Oh, here's a little British weedy guy who wants to, you know, ski jump. You know, he's Tonya Harding. You know, like, all, all three of those movies, it's more of a rags to riches more than this. And I think yeah. this does it on a, on a fine level. So I can see what they're saying, but no, I, I wouldn't say it's that cliche. Here's one I kind of agree and disagree with. Agree with the first part. Um, the movie effectively simulates the game's whirl and should grab all but the most finicky hockey fans. Uh, agree with that because of how it presents hockey. But for moviegoers who think you've seen one sports flick, you've seen them all, well, you've definitely seen this one. Again, I don't feel like this is no. like any other sports movie that was out at this point. I mean, look, I love sports movies, and I'm just trying to think of, like, really stick and kind of ones that really, you know, you you just, you feel different. And I, I think I vaguely heard you mention this because I think I might have been on one of the Thor ones you were talking about not being a fan of Chris Hensworth. You mentioned the, the movie mm-hmm. Rush, which I would love yeah. to do Rush with you because, I, I mean, as a Formula One fan in a Formula One movie, I can talk that one up a lot. But that movie was fantastic. Um, just how it kind of portrayed what happened in that whole incident in the 70s between Nicky Lauder and James Hunt. So, um, you know, and that to me is a movie that is just so good. I can watch so, you know, often. And I feel that this is only the second time I've seen this movie, but, you know, just for terms of a sports fan and kind of, you know, wanting to be slightly realistic, that's where I can kind of put the comparisons to. As much as I love Cool Runnings, The Mighty Ducks, Eddie the Eagle, you know, they're, they're obviously very much fictionalized. I mean, The Mighty Ducks is fictional, but like, you know, yeah. Cool Runnings <laughs> and, and Eddie the Eagle are great films that they're so heavily fictionalized, whereas this and Rush are so very accurate, if you know what I mean. Uh, a couple more here. Richard Roper, thumbs up for the uplifting and inspirational movie about one of the great upsets in sports history. Uh, this movie brings the audience back to the 1980s with bone-crunching verisimilitude. That's a complicated word. Don't know that one. Um, Russell is at his understated best in the film, which stands as a living tribute to Coach Herb Brooks. And here's one. This one sounds like an idiot, uh, <laughs> even though it's a positive review. If you can tolerate all this phony uplift... You'll what? also get a pretty interesting story about a shrewd Minnesota college coach named Herb Brooks. Was that Peter Travis? Fully up- it's <laughs> Jonathan Rosenbaum, the Chicago Reader. Oh, it's yeah. a true story. This <laughs> happened. It's like this phony uplift, like the America America really <laughs> won as against if, the Soviet. As if they really won the gold medal in 1980. What a load of shit! Come, 
Come on, people. Fake history. <laughs> the Donald Trump. Re- As if Kurt Russell could sound like he's from Minnesota. Come on. <laughs> um, so there's your box office. There's your critics reviews. Uh, let's rate this thing now. I, I kind of have a feeling we're going to go on all these movies here, but uh, uh, I'll go first here because I have something to add on this. Uh, I'm definitely buying this movie. Even though I don't own it, and the reason I don't own it is because my brother owns it, and every time I feel like watching it, I just borrow it off of him, except for this time where he forgot to give it to me, and he said, hey, it's on Netflix if you want. Uh, <laughs> but like, I feel like going out and getting a special edition of this now, because I really want to you know, hear more about how they made the movie, uh, you know, and hear the commentary and all that. And I do feel like this is a movie that gets better each time, and even though I know we said that you know, Cool Runnings was definitely our favorite of this, I'm going to make an argument that, you know, uh, as much as I love Cool Runnings, Miracle is by far the best movie we're reviewing in this whole month. I mean, it is a fantastic sports movie and probably still one of the best sports movies ever made. I'm I'm buying it for sure. I mean, um, yeah, I, I would I agree with everything you said. I think there is a... Uh, I'm just reading here on uh, Eddie Cahill's uh, uh, filmography, The Making of Miracle, a video short documentary. So obviously there was a documentary made about the making of this film. Um, I mean, I enjoy each of these four films in different ways. And I mean, I would probably honestly say I'd watch Cool Runnings over this just because I just fucking love that movie so much. But I mean, that's also a lot of nostalgia and kind of what we talked about last week. But yeah, I mean, in terms of great sports movies and you know, realistic and everything that I was mentioning before. I think this is easily a, you know, a top five movie in that aspect. It's just so well done. And Kurt Russell, I think, needs more plaudits for kind of how good he is in this film. Uh, I don't think we talked him up as much because I think he just is so good in this. But, um, yeah, I, 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 I would buy this, absolutely. And I have an update from Mallory. Uh, she has said, I'm super loving this movie so far. So, <laughs> just for those playing at home. It's all those great skating scenes. Yes. That's what sold it for her. Exactly. Uh, just a question for you, which I should have brought up at some point. Uh, I don't know if Jamie watches with you, but I'm sure she enjoyed the shower scene that was randomly thrown in in one of the montage <laughs> bits and the shirtless scenes in the locker room. I, I'm, I don't know if this makes me sound a certain way or not, but like every time I watch a movie in this shirtless men, I think of your wife. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, funny enough, she was watching this uh, with me. And when that scene came up, she was busy doing something like getting Casper a cup of water. And I'm telling her, Jamie, are you watching this movie? And she's like, well, I don't know. That's fine. I'm watching it. Don't worry. I'm like, are you sure you're watching this movie? No, no, I'm watching it. Don't worry. She wasn't staring at the screen. I just let it go. So she has no idea that she <laughs> saw the shirtless guy. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure right now she's hearing me in the background. She's looking it up on YouTube, though. <laughs> but yeah, so there we go. Miracle on ice. Uh, do you believe in miracles? We do. We got through this episode in under five hours, so <laughs> congratulations to us. Uh, next week, we're doing, as you already mentioned, final one in our Olympics month, Eddie the Eagle, one of four actual sports movies made about the Winter Olympics. <laughs> so who could have guessed we were covering that one last? Uh, I, I can say I've already said it already, but I've never seen this movie. I, I really wanted to see it when it came out, and I tried to sell it to Jamie, saying, it's a Hugh Jackman movie. You can go see it. And then I think what I told her was about the Olympics. She lost interest. But uh, I, I didn't see this, and it was added to Netflix recently. I held off on watching because I wanted to watch it close to the Olympics. So when we decided we were going to do these movies months ago, I just determined I'm not going to watch this movie so I can watch it for the first time. So this will be 
uh, just like I, Tanya, I guess. I was going to say the only one we're doing here, but uh, this will be the one of the few movies we've done where you're going into it having seen it and know it very well, and I basically know nothing about it other than the trailers. Well, I wouldn't say I know it very I mean, I've literally seen this movie once as well, but I mean, I've watched this recently. You reference it about six times but, but in every episode we record. <laughs> I will say, because I, I remember it in the fact that I really enjoyed it. I remember watching this within the last 12 months and going, holy crap, that was a good movie. Um, and it's like so comparable to Cool Runnings, and I think you'll get what I'll say, you know, when you watch it. But I don't know, like I, I've kind of, I, I was the same as you. I saw them sort of trailers for this, and I'm like, wow, that looks really, really good. And for some reason, I don't know why I didn't see it, because um, I've always been fascinated by, um, you know, Eddie the Eagle, like this story of uh, Eddie Edwards, you know, because it's just this to me. I think kind of when Dad would tell me about the Jamaican, you know, bobsled team, he's like, oh, there's also this British ski jumper. Um, which kind of, you know, yeah, but I, I don't know. It's, it's done in a, a different way to Cool Runnings at Works, but also there's so many similar things to it. And I just thoroughly enjoyed it. I mean, you know, I, I'm not familiar with Taron Egerton. Is that his name? Uh, yeah. obviously you watched Kingsman. I've never seen it, but I mean, he's brilliant as, uh, as Eddie. Uh, you know, Hugh Jackman. I mean, all four of these films are filled with actors doing, you know, okay, uh, accents. You know, I mean, Margot Robbie does a great American accent. Dougie, Doug, Leon, everyone does great Jamaican accents. Kurt Russell, yeah, it's okay. Um, But there is something weird about Hugh Jackman's American accent in this movie, which takes a little bit of getting used to. Um, But it's got Christopher Walken in it. Can we just point that out? Um, I really, really enjoy it. And I'm really hoping that I enjoy it the second time as much as I enjoyed the first time. Um, because it's just, yeah, it's just one of these movies that I feel that you just can watch, put it on and enjoy it every time you watch it. And it's sad that this is, again, we'll talk about it, everything that it wasn't that successful, but maybe it's probably going to be number one in ski jumping movies. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, ski, ski <laughs> no jumping, much. like all these winter sports that we're covering, it's, it's a crazy sport. So like who, who dreams of jumping off a ledge with skis on to fly for three mm-hmm. seconds and land like it's it's mental that people actually want to do this but i have all the highest respect for him so yeah i'm i'm looking forward to doing it and uh yeah eddie the eagle it's a fun film and we're gonna cover that next week and um up until between now and then what else do we have you have a couple of interviews coming out do you know which one's coming out this week uh, I can tell you quickly because I think at the time of this, it technically came out yesterday on our release schedule. Uh, it is the MC Gainy one. So that was actually quite, uh, quite good timing. So, uh, Do you want yeah. to hear all about breakdown with Kurt Russell? Well, it's, it's, MC- it is actually, it's a hilarious interview and you know, whether you're a lost fan or not, I mean, legitimately it turns into the country bears retrospective, but, um, <laughs> Noah's with me on the episode. It's, it's hilarious. MC Gainy is a fucking hilarious man. And he's in the Mighty Ducks. He's in the first Mighty Ducks movie. So we talk a little bit about that. Uh, We talk about Con Air um, as well as just Lost and the fact that he had no clue. And uh, the real star of the interview, though, is his wife, uh, who is in the background basically being the IMDB for MC Gainey. He couldn't remember who he played in half these movies. Who did I play in this movie? Uh, (laughs) Yeah, he's hilarious. And if you don't know who MC Gainey is, Google him. You'll know who he is. Uh, Rossi and I just started covering RuPaul's Drag Race. If you really want to hear my opinion on RuPaul's Drag Race, having never watched it before, uh, that'll be interesting. And we still got some Star Trek Discoveries going to come this week. And Jamie and I saw the post as we're covering some of the movies that are nominated for Best Picture now that it's been nominated. The post with Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep. Uh, we'll have an episode on that at some point uh, by the end of the week, I'm thinking. 
Uh, as well, look forward to an episode where my nephews are coming back on. If you want to hear some <laughs> children with very uh, animated opinions about movies that we actually don't really like that much, uh, like The Last Jedi, uh, my nephews are going to be coming on as we're going to be going to see the the new Maze Runner movie tomorrow. So we'll we'll oh, have a review goody. for that one as well. <laughs> I love the Maze Runner movies. You oh, should watch God. them. Maze Runner is no. great. I um, it is no. Uh, I'll watch Divergent so I can perv on Shailene Woodley. Oh, you, know, you love, but I, I disgusting. I hopefully will be seeing Swinging Safari in the next uh, seven days, which is an Australian comedy, which is in cinemas, which has uh, Julian McMahon, Guy Pearce, Kylie Minogue in it. Um, looks hilarious. Look at the trailers for it. Don't think it will probably make its way over to your neck of the woods, but. Um, <laughs> From what I've read, it's a very, very Australian movie. Uh, so, uh, yeah, given it's, it sort of ties in a lot, I think, more so to our um, Nip Tuck coverage that we've talked a lot about Julian McMahon. And, um, yeah, it, I just love Julian McMahon. And it's got Kylie Minogue in it, who I also love. So it's kind of winner, winner, chicken dinner. And Guy Pearce is pretty good, too. And also, if you love the Olympics, check out Off the oh, Podium, yes. one of our sister shows. <laughs> We're going to be doing a preview episode for the Pyeongchang Olympics that should be going up... Uh, Within the next week, and then the Olympics start next week. So daily. more than just Eddie the Eagle. Daily, yeah, a daily show covering the Olympics where we mock um, Ryan Lochte and <laughs> we talk about real athletes too. Who is going <laughs> to be that's... the Ryan Lochte of the Pyeongchang 2018 guys? I can't wait. Yeah, it's going to be some American hockey gonna player. I'm going to look at their roster for the American team. It's going to be like Ryan yeah. Bochte or something like that. <laughs> Ryan Bochte? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> anyways make sure to subscribe to us on itunes stitcher all those other ones out there facebook twitter subscribe to us on facebook and twitter people um, we got to get our subscriptions up there uh but just continue to follow us and uh we'll be back with more olympic stuff next week with eddie the eagle and as well all that other nip tack uh and Nip-tack. third watch nip tack <laughs> and third watch staff that <laughs> ben has <laughs> uh anyways my name is Kolinov. And uh, I'm great at building block construction, dummy. And my name is Ben Kowski or whatever that other one was. Uh, And leave me the keys. I'll lock up. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.